I what never do you do? Just do one of those things? What? Do you do one of yeah, those if things? you just clap, you're good. Yeah, okay. This, by the way, is my dream. Everybody I know who books a sitcom, I'm like, let me just do that one the first time. I take one, scene one. Gentlemen, welcome to Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank Podcast, episode 374. This is my seventh, eighth, eighth try doing this on iMovie. Got the basics, you guys. I'm trying to do this fucking shit on video, and I have no idea what I'm doing. You might notice I'm holding a microphone, which is attached to a Zoom recorder. Ari, if iMovie is recording this, why are you doing it on a microphone? Well, because I figured out, after many, many recordings of this uh, intro, that uh, uh, I won't have the audio. I don't know how to separate the audio, the isolate it, and just uh, put the iTunes podcast up. I have no idea how to do that. I don't know how to do a lot of this shit, and I'm guessing. Back to I'm back, trying to do this video shit. It's like I'm back to basics on on like first two months of podcasts from fucking nine years ago. We had to do like YouTube research on how to like make the sound higher and shit like that. I got no clue, and I'm it's it's kind of invigorating how fun it is to try to learn it again. But it's also real frustrating because this podcast should have come out fucking s- s- Sunday night. And now it's Tuesday night and I'm not even ready yet. I still got to equal. <sighs> anyway, on today's episode, Jimmy Dore comes in. Jimmy Dore, it's a political episode. So there's a, I don't know if you guys ever do this. You ever, you ever get into a fight politically or actually, you know what, about, fight about anything. Sports even, like is Barry Sanders a better running back than Emmett Smith? Walter Payton, and you start having this argument, and you get real impassioned about it. Like how? Could, and then later, you know, the next day or that night when you're alone, it suddenly hits you like, I don't really care. I just kind of had like a, a a slight thought about it, and um, don't really care. And you were talking to someone who seemed to really care. Chances are, too, they might have not really cared as well. And now you're in this passionate fight about some shit you don't care about. Um, so I don't care about a lot of shit politically. I haven't voted in a long time. 1992 was the last time I voted. Um, I think it was 1991 for the 1992 elections. Bill Clinton, the first time. Uh, who was on the private island with Jeffrey Epstein a few times, I think, where they trafficked underage uh, women for sex. And Bill Clinton, I guess they say, didn't participate and also didn't mention it to anybody. Okay, let's go with that story. Um, um, I think he's still alive, by the way. I think he might still be alive. I don't think he is. I think there's a chance he's still alive. But nobody believes he killed himself. Regardless, let's get back to this. Uh, that's another one I don't really care about. I just heard about the guy recently and then it was like suspect. But I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear about him six months ago. So it was like some new story. Um, anyway, politically, there's this new group of people. 
that I found where I put myself in, where I don't really care about like a lot of political shit. I haven't voted in a long time and I don't really care. And this last election where they're like, lesser of two evils, you got to vote for this person. And I'm like, wait, lesser of two evils. So you have to actively vote for someone you don't want because someone else is worse. To me, that didn't make any sense. To me, that just shows like you're like, what they're trying to do is get you to participate in a system that doesn't represent you. Doesn't seem right. Instead, I say abstain until they give you someone worth voting for. That's actually the lesser of two evils. That's the shit they're doing in Hong Kong right now. We're supporting Hong Kong, right? And their right to free elections. What they did is China said, okay, Hong Kong, you can have free elections. We're going to present you the two candidates you can choose from. You can either choose this guy or that guy. And Hong Kong, I know people in Hong Kong. I have friends there. Tampi Chan. Um, um, Garen uh, Kitna Chu. Um, they're like, they're, we don't want... We don't want your two candidates. We want someone who we want. And they're dying for it now. And we here kind of support that. But then you look at your own country and like, we also don't have any candidates we wanted. This is not local elections. Local elections are different. Um, But sort of similar. So there's this new category of of people that I've noticed that, and Jimmy's one of them, we align real close politically. Mostly I I align on the get off me party. I'm, I guess, a libertarian you'd call or maybe a bleeding heart libertarian. Uh, which means I think we should take care of like the homeless. I think I think what libertarian is, and it might not be this, so I'm wrong, but ju- this is what I believe. I think if I'm not doing anything that infringes on the rights of other people, you should let me do it. And the rights aren't just stuff that's legal. I mean like bothering other people. You know, uh, it might I might be allowed to make loud noise outside your apartment. I think that's infringing on your rights to sleep. Uh, so it might be legal, but I don't think that's allowed advertising everywhere in the streets. I think that's infringing on my rights. It might be legal. You might have made a deal with the government, but no, I don't think I should have to walk the streets and be treated like a fucking breathing human wallet. Um, but generally, if you want to do a bunch of blow in your apartment, let's just say that's a good example. Doesn't hurt me. Blow away. I don't like cocaine. It's not my drug. I'm more into pot and mushrooms, acid, ketamine, uh, occasional coke, um, 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 MDMA, um, you know, lots of shit like that. So, but if you're not doing anything to anybody, it's like, it's, I call it the get off me party. It's like, leave me alone. Let me do whatever the fuck I want. Um, but I also think we should take care of the homeless people and try to get them off the street. And people go, well, how are you going to do whatever you want? If you're now you're saying we need to get them off the street, where's that money coming from? And here's the real answer. I don't know. I'm not in charge. I don't know how any of this shit works. I don't know how streets get paved. I mean, where does the money come in? Where does it go to the street paver? How do you hire them? I don't know any of it. All I'm saying is that's kind of the shit I want. And so a lot of the shit I want too, just for our government to do, and this is where I come into contact with Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore is someone I met uh, a long time ago at the, at the, in the comedy scene. When I started as an open micer, he was like an elder statesman of comedy. Not an elder statesman, but he was above it. He was probably five, six years in when I was like one year in. I, it might have been that slight of a difference. Um, Hosted a talk show. Him and Chris Hardwick hosted this talk show. Not talk. It was like a contest. Yeah, they did it at Splat at the Comedy Underground. It was just like, it's not West Side Theater. They have that now off the Third Street Promenade. It was a different alley off the Third Street Promenade. Mike Black ran a room there. That was called Splat. And um, there was this game show. I forget what it is. You had to like argue. Your, it was like a debate show against comedians. And I want to get Sharon... Sharon Houston and I got housed. I think I got like one point out of the ten available. Oh, those little defeats—they help you get better. 
Anyway, Jimmy was the fucking judge, I think. Um, or the host. I forget. I think he was the – I forget. But he was this guy. He was a funny comic. Then later he did the uh, marijuana logs with uh, with Arge Barker and Doug Benson and um, – and, um, fucking what's that guy's name? Ah, the guy with black hair. I forget his fucking name. I think he was from San Francisco. Um, anyway, always a funny comic. And then later he got kind of political. He has a great show called The Jimmy Dore Show on YouTube. Check it out. The clips are, I say, a little bit long, but um, but they're interesting. And sometimes the clips, if I had to do any sort of critique, sometimes the clips, he knows so much about politics that he throws in names and I'm lost. I don't know who that is. If it's a, if it's a good, quote unquote, good guy or bad guy, I really have no idea. So he loses me on that a little bit. But generally, he says stuff. I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, here's where I stand for it. Here's what I, here's what I want. Um, to have a political candidate, especially for president. I want, here's what I want them to say. I want them to say and do and stick with it. I want them to, to be against war. I want them to leave all these countries we're in war with. Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Somalia. We're in, we're, we're in Syria. We're in a lot of countries. We're trying to go to war with Venezuela. Um, I don't think we should. I think it breeds terrorism. I don't think anyone attacks us because they hate our freedom. I think they attack us because we're in there fucking putting a boot to their fucking neck. Um, I mean, nobody's attacking Canada, right? They're just as free as we are. They have more press freedom than we do. And and I want, I want, so I want less war and I want money out of politics. I want our politicians to do what they think is right for our people and not have to worry about donations, getting reelected, and then straight half bribes you know but mostly i think it's getting money for the re-election campaigns uh i don't want them taking favors like i'll tell you what bank i'll let you guys off the hook if when i get out of here you give me a bunch of money to do a, a speech for you you know well you did it for the last few candidates i assume you'll do it for me too if i help you out this un this unwritten rule of like just kind of like i'll scratch your back you scratch mine but i'm like wait but i'm just as much of a citizen as the guy who owns a bank but I don't have the money to give you $400,000 for a speech. Remember when Hillary Clinton got asked by Bernie to show her speeches to the banks that she let off the hook? And she was like, I'm looking for those. And then a year plus went by and she still couldn't find them. There's some devious shit going on. I'm not a Trump guy, by the way. I think pretty much everybody's crooked. I think they're all crooked up there. And I think we need some new young blood to come in and fucking shape shit up and reform our government. Maybe even reform it completely. I don't really know how any of it will work. But Jimmy Dore... Things like me. Less war, money out of politics. Right? When you hear like, well, weed's not legal because the um, the um, the pill companies, Pfizer and shit like that, they'd rather you take muscle relaxers over, over weed. So they try to fight. They try to like give money to the politicians to be like, nah, nah, don't make it so legal. And you're like, but I don't care about Pfizer. What the fuck do I have to do with that? I, I think it's a better option. These politicians are like, it's just like, I don't know, man, I booked a show. Remember This Is Not Happening, now called Ari Shafir's renamed storytelling show? I was more likely to book my friends than to book my non-friends. That's just the way of the world. People who, like, you get along with, you see, people give you money. You're just more likely to, to go by them. Not if they're doing super egregious. Like, let's say MeUndies sponsored me. They're not sponsoring this. They sponsored me a long time ago. I still have two pairs of their underwear, and it's still two of my favorite pairs of underwear. Okay, I'm not saying that because they're giving me money because they haven't given me money for five years. Um, I'm saying that because it's fucking cool, good underwear. Um, this uh, Heath Heron, 
print and this blue just bright. Anyway, it's just comfortable. Uh, one bunches up, so it kind of like the ball. I do have long balls. The ball goes on the other side of the underwear, so it like uh, comes out of a pant leg. Not ideal. Uh, by the way, there's a solid chance that none of this is being recorded. I'm going to do it a fucking again. Also, my special is being taped in New York City, February 8th, and now also February 7th. February 8th is sold out. The Skirball Center in Manhattan, New York. Um, uh, sold out fast. So get, get tickets February 7th. I will release more tickets February 8th, but probably only like a few weeks before because I don't know how much extra room I'll have with the cameras once the cameras are set up and we plot it all out. So I guess there'll still be some for potheads, but not many, you guys. So I'm going to tape now on February 7th as well, Friday and Saturday. The Skirball Center in Manhattan, New York. Get tickets at AriTheGreat.com. Leading up to it, I'm doing a shitload of shows. Uh, the only one on the books you can buy right now is Spokane, Washington. Um, January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Also doing Hawaii, uh, the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, in that, in that range. I don't know. I think three different islands. I'm not sure which ones yet. Uh, those tickets are not available yet. They will be available soon. I'm going to add Atlanta, um, probably Pittsburgh, Charlotte, uh, Minneapolis, and then maybe Burlington, maybe Alabama. Um, uh, I don't know. But those will all be coming soon. So check back at AriTheGreat.com for tickets. It'll be, I'm going to fill up my January. You can also just listen next week, and I'll probably be able to tell you more what the actual gigs are. But February 7th and 8th, tickets are Um Ari Shafir Jew. It'll be the last time I ever, ever do this material. And I am, it's time. It's going to make me sad because it's going to have been three years of work. I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss the material. I've been in bed with this material for three years of my life. It, it's like, I'm, a, I'm comfortable with it. I, I, it's, it's going to be kind of sad. But all great things must come to an end, and all the great things must come to a beginning. So Jimmy Dore comes on to tell me all about – I asked him to tell me what a progressive is because um, that's what he calls himself. He's a progressive, and I didn't know what that means exactly. I had an idea because all the shit he says on his on his show, on the Jimmy Dore podcast, on the Jimmy Dore show on YouTube, um, it all sort of like rings true to me. And so he tells me about like well, – I'm asking like why is no candidate talking about less war? And he goes, well, that's a good question. He goes, in fact, they are talking about less war. But the media corporations – I shouldn't use the word media. The newspapers and, and, the, and, the, and the ABC News and CNN, stuff like that, they're owned partially by people who make a lot of money doing war stuff, building bombs, building tanks. Um, it's not just like – they say Dick Cheney makes money off, uh, you know, off war, but it's not just Dick Cheney, right? There's tons of jobs going in. So there's a factory line. People make their livings working at Boeing, at fucking whatever other corporations are. So like that help build weapons. So there's money that comes in, right? They call it the military industrial complex. That's another term that gets lost. What it means is war industrial like industry, the industry of war. Complex is like, I don't know, the group. I don't really know what complex part means. But it means like the industry, the business of war. Money actually comes in. Um, so we have to give us an excuse to go there. Oh, the MeUndies Corporation. So let's just say MeUndies um, did two possible things. One thing is they were killing blacks, okay? And I was taking money from them for sponsorship. Now, that's an easy one. 
Okay. If they're killing blacks, I can be like, hey, I can't take your money anymore. I don't stand for this at all. I like blacks. I don't want them killed. Uh, I think it should be working for us as slaves. No, no. Um, but I can easily say I'm against that, right? But now let's say option B, they're putting their factories in places. This is None of this is true. They're not killing blacks. They're putting their factories in places. This is also not true. They're putting the factories in places that maybe don't pay a, a fair living wage in countries like whatever, Indonesia or China, where they're like kind of using s- some level of slavish labor. Now I could say maybe like, well, I could either say, like, fuck them. I don't stand by that. Or I could say like, well, you know, a lot of companies put their corporations and put their factories in places like that. It's the only way to keep costs down. And like maybe we're bringing actual money to those small villages in Indonesia and in China. Actually, money is coming in. It might not be our fair uh, wages, but it's it's better for you know than they normally make, and it's kind of a way to justify that, right? And I'm a little more likely to justify it if I'm getting money from them because I like them, I like them, and I want to like make them like me and continue giving me money. And that's what money out of politics means. If the lumber yards, if the banks, if the coal miners, if the oil drillers. If they're giving money either straight to their reelections or, um, or saying we'll give you actually massive amounts of money when you get out of office or big cushy jobs, if they're getting money, if politicians are getting money from these people, they're a little more likely in those half and half scenarios, not in the killing black scenario, but in the half and half scenario, they're way more likely to be like, all right, you know, we do need lumber gives jobs, you know, um, just a little more likely to see that side of it because there usually are two sides to one of those half and half stories. But I, what I want is my politician to not be swayed by money. I want my politicians, the people who run this country, to be swayed by what they think is right for the people, all people being equal, rich or poor, right? So how come they don't hear about political candidates who want to get out of war and want money out of politics? Well, apparently, what Jimmy tells me in this episode, we're going to start right in a second, is that a lot of these Washington Post, uh, New York Times, CNN, they're owned by people who make a lot of money or they're given money in advertising or whatever by people who make their money in war. Here's a good example. Jeff Bezos owns a large part of the Washington Post. That was the newspaper I read when I was growing up. You could count on it for fair and balanced news. But now he owns a large portion of that. So there was a journalist who wrote a fucking anti-Amazon. Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. They wrote an anti-Amazon story, and this guy who owns the company was embarrassing to him, Jeff Bezos. And so the guy, the journalist, got a slap on the wrist and said, don't do that anymore. And he goes, fuck that. He wrote another article about them. He got fired. So that's bad, but let's not concentrate on that for a second. Let's concentrate on the other people who write for the Washington Post. Now, here I am making a living. I'm an okay writer, and I have a story that's... Kind of with a slant of like, this is against Amazon. They don't pay their people enough or they uh, tear up a, a fucking community. I now have incentive to not write that story because I want to keep this job. Now, I might do it anyway, but the needle, where instead of being right down the middle of like, could write it, could not, now it's shift a little bit towards don't write that story. So as a reader, if there's a hundred of those journalists, instead of 50 of them deciding I'm going to write that story, it's a good story, and 50 of them going, meh, now it's like, 55-45 or 60-40 not writing the story. So now if I'm a reader, and maybe even more, maybe 70-30, maybe 80-20, if I'm a reader, I'm getting more than my fair share of 
Amazon is good because of that pressure they put on you. I don't think, and I don't think anybody thinks, our politicians who represent us should have that pressure put on them. So why am I not hearing, I asked Jimmy about this, why am I not hearing about anti-war candidates? And he said, yeah, why are you not? It's because these corporations, these newspapers, these magazines, these, these uh, news channels, they have incentive to keep the war going. Like uh, privatized means like not government-owned prisons, private. So they have incentive. They want more people, prisoners because they make more money. So if I was just like, hey, I'll just house the prisoners. It's like, cool. But now what if you're like, well, I need more prisoners to make more money. So maybe I'll talk to a politician. I'm like, you got to keep that weed illegal, man. You got to arrest those people. I'm like, why? I'm like, because it's fucking ruining our streets. And it's not. But really, I'm doing it because I want more business. You know? And so now I'm, I'm influencing and I'm getting more people arrested for weed, let's say. Or right after slavery ended, all these plantation owners are like, well, we don't have anyone to pick the cotton. We don't have anyone to pick the, pick the fields and harvest. So what they came up with is no loitering laws. And anyone who loitered, which means hang about, that was illegal and they'd arrest you. Well, all these black people who are no freely, newly freed slaves, they don't have any jobs. So what were they doing? Hanging around, looking for work. Well, that's illegal now. So they rounded them up every harvest season, arrested them, put them to work in the fields, forced labor to benefit these rich plantation owners. And how they do that? Because they had their fucking politician friends and they're like, look out for them. We're all at the same ball. You know, we'd say, invite you to the same ball game. You know, I had you over at my plantation. I'm going to give you a fucking nice job uh, when you get out of there, politician. And so, come on, they can't be loitering. Loitering is like, it's ruining our neighborhood. And they're like, you know what it is? It's a half and half. And so they just had kind of slave labor after slavery, just during harvest season. That's the kind of shit I want to get out of. And I'm like, how come I'm not hearing about those candidates? And Jimmy's like, and he talks about it in this episode. He's like, they're not letting you hear about it. So he's very fair and even. You might not agree with everything he says, but he's not lying. And a lot of people are lying. You can hear it sometimes. You hear the news story. You're like, that's intentionally wrong. Like, maybe you don't catch on a full lie, but like, you're intentionally not saying the truth. Like, let's say I was like, uh, somebody's like, do you like Volkswagen? I'm like, yeah, I think that's probably one of the good things that came out of like the Nazi party in Germany is the Volkswagen is actually, it's a good car. It's maintained. And people are like, Ari's defended the Holocaust. And you're like, so you're not completely wrong, but you know you're making people believe something that's not true. I didn't defend the Holocaust. I said Volkswagens are good. Um, you're not wrong. I defended something about the Holocaust, but you're not right either. You're making people believe something that's not true, which is kind of a lie in my book. So Jimmy comes on and tells us, we went upstairs at the, at the all things comedy studio while the other one was being used. Um, and then that camera went out and then went downstairs. So it'll be two locations. Um, that means more chances for interstitial music. Um, and thank you. That's it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to catch our Jimmy Dore's show, the Jimmy Dore show. And here's some specials you want to check out coming up. Uh, December 6th, Jessica Curson on Comedy Central. December 7th, Dan Soder on HBO. Those will both be streaming on each HBO Go and ComedyCentral.com. Michelle Wolf, um, I think that week too on Netflix. Um, the Degenerates, December 31st with Robert Kelly, my opener, The Dark Queen, Adrian Appalucci, Jim Norton, Donnell Rollins. Who else was in there? Nikki Glaser. 
I'm missing a chick for sure, right? Miss Pat. So, um, good month for comedy in December. Uh, but let's start this, okay? It's sort of serious, but also sort of fun. Jimmy gets passionate. At some point, he was like, I know, maybe we can see the spit on my face at the end when he starts talking about that chick from The View. Dude, he's worked up. He cares. He cares. When you kill somebody in Yemen on an oopsie drone strike, and Obama's policy was like, we don't talk about drone strikes, it doesn't mean it goes away. Some wedding party, a whole wedding party got killed. They didn't do anything. It was just like got the wrong address. The bride got killed. The groom got killed. The bride's whole family got killed. The groom's whole family got killed. And instead of going like, yeah, that was awful. We should never have done that. Instead, our policy was just not to talk about it. We get some weird times in America. Jimmy Dore is going to tell you the truth about it. So come along for the ride. Um, it's political. If you're not into political episodes, this might not be for you. But it might actually, if you remember the Milo episode, if you listen to that with an open mind, you realize, oh, the story I got on this guy was not the real story. I'm seeing it now. I was fed a, a wrong story and I believed it and I got worked up. And that's bullshit. I got lied to and it made me fucking get mad. So maybe some of the shit you've heard politically, if you're this mad about one side or the other and the other side is not mad at all, you're like, what the f- how could you not be as mad about this as me or even like halfway as mad? Because maybe one of you or both of you even are getting an incorrect story and they're trying to work you up. Or they're trying to keep you distracted. So Jimmy tells, comes and talks about it. So ladies and gentlemen, let's start the episode. Ari Shafir Skeptic, episode 374. Truth be told. The man, Jimmy Dore, starts now. All right. Yeah. Make the sign of peace and sing It's like some kind of gimmick. Yeah. 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 He has his glasses that separate in the middle. Yeah. It's such a pain in the ass, though. <laughs> yeah. To be like, uh You're solving a problem that nobody has. Nobody's, nobody's like, well, you know, taking off my glasses really is confusing. It's like these engineers that graduate from, like, Michigan with honors. Like, what are you going to do? Build bridges? Like, no. It's something way less usable. Self-driving cars. How about that? They're, again, solving a problem that doesn't exist. There's no problem with drivers, people driving their own car. There's no problem. So what, what they're doing is they're not solving a problem. What they're doing is they see that they can potentially make more money. It's not necessarily solving a problem. 
and so they're going to do it. So now if they have driverless trucks, the companies who employ truck drivers are going to make more money because they don't have to pay these people wages or health care or anything else. But that's not a problem that we have. That's right. just something that we can now use to make more money. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about capitalism. And really? How it's, and how it's, well, how it's like our, our like focus. But then you see cities like, it might be Carmel or certain cities where they don't allow chain stores in. You know? And they're like, well, why? They, if they're going to rent the place, if they're going to rent this place. And it's like, yeah, but if they rent, if Starbucks rents this, then the landlord's going to charge twice as much so only Starbucks can rent it. And I know you think, because of capitalism, that's not fair to this landlord, but we think aesthetically chain stores are gross. So it's not only capitalism that's driving us. So that's the beauty, right? So you had to, people, people equate capitalism with democracy. But right. in democracy, you get to choose the type of capitalism you have. And that's the part that people people think, well, if there's a if they have Kentucky Fried Chicken in Iraq and, and McDonald's, and that means that they have democracy. No, that means they have capitalism. Right. That doesn't mean they necessarily have democracy. And by the way, we don't have democracy in the United States. It's been proven that we live in an oligarchy because what the bottom 80% of people care, their opinions are never reflected in legislation. What does that and mean? And that was studied uh, by Princeton, right? So they did that study about uh, the people's wants as as far as policy goes and uh, if you're in the bottom 80% of earners the things you like are never reflected in legislation but if you're in the upper 10% exact so like let's say 10% of the upper 10% want something 10% of the time it will be enacted in legislation if 50% of the upper 10% want something 50% of the time it will be enacted that's what they found out but if the bottom 80% want something it doesn't give a shit because like for instance uh, in 2016, they did studies, they did surveys. Uh, eight, eight to nine out of ten Democrats yeah. wanted. Is that okay? Yeah, I just want to fucking see it. But it oh, there we go. Yeah. I want to get your face more. Okay. But go ahead. Eight to, uh, 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 80 to 90% of Democrats yeah. wanted single payer health care. The Democrats are not proposing it. Nancy Pelosi is not proposing it. Tom Perez is not proposing it. Chuck Schumer is not proposing it. It is it is only be, being proposed by a guy named Bernie Sanders, and he's not really a Democrat. What? Uh, yeah, he's just playing one. Right. And Elizabeth Warren, who was a Republican until the Democrats moved far enough right that she felt comfortable being in the Democratic Party. What does that, what does that mean, oligarchy? So like, break that down, like. So, so you know, oligarchs are the people who control. The, not only the culture, but our politicians, right, and our media. So, you know, there's only 15 billionaires who run all of our media. There's only six media companies in the United States, you know that. Okay. So we used to have 50 giant media companies, which, which was still not enough, but we used to. And then Bill Clinton came along and passed the 1996 Telecommunications Act, and now we have six companies. And so that's why we have a monolith. And reporting, is the news is what I look at, is that it's a herd mentality, which is why I've been able to have a successful show debunking the mainstream news. Like, for instance, Russiagate is a hoax that's been perpetrated on this country by the intelligence community, the establishment media, and the Democratic Party. And it's really easy to do because it's only controlled by a few people. And that's why they try to... Well, look at someone like Tulsi Gabbard who tells the truth about those regime change wars. She's polling at 2 3%, and they got to crush her. 
Because of because a little bit of truth is is what their is is what their kryptonite is. No matter where it comes from, why would CNN spend time smearing a guy in his garage, a fucking jagoff comedian like me, in my garage? Who cares what I say, right? Because it's the truth, and it's too dangerous, and that's why they got to smear me. Why does this? The CNN put me in an article about how dangerous and toxic YouTube is. They put me in the middle of an article with pedophiles, Nazis, and the KKK. But guess what? They got a quote from the pedophile, the Nazis, and the KKK. They couldn't get a quote from me. Isn't that interesting? They didn't even fucking try. Why? Because they knew I would have debunked their whole goddamn article, which is why they didn't do basic reporting, which is get a quote from me, which is why you know they're bullshit. You think that reporting stuff? Okay, okay. We just sell shitloads. <laughs> <laughs> so the oh, I'm joking. Let's start so on the oligarchy oligarchs part. run the country, but that's back from like like in old like English times. Oligarchs mm-hmm. were like the landowners yeah. who made all the laws for the right. land, and mm-hmm. the people lived under them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we have too. Like these rich people, so like, we have, we'll make the the laws, right? And they and they run the media. So the media. I mean, I was just listening on the way in here. It came up on my. Uh, playlist yeah. American Idiot by uh, Green Day which right. was I gotta be almost 20 years old now maybe that song if not 15, if, maybe, yeah. yeah and and then oh, it man. says you know right. it talks about being con- the media controlled by the media and it's exactly it and it's super easy and I just did, dropped a video on my channel about how a guy mentioned Bernie Sanders on MSNBC and how the media doesn't cover him and guess what? That video was scrubbed from MSNBC's website. So the so the blackout on the media blackout on Bernie isn't even being covered. So when somebody brings up the media blackout, that gets blacked out. How, who's okay? Who's doing that? Uh, it's not. I'm sure they'll so say like, it, it was just an algorithm or whatever. Like who, who's? What's your opinion? Like who's actually going in there going? We don't want this out, and this is the reason. So why. there's actually history that informs us of this, right? Okay. So. Uh, when Phil Donahue, in the run-up to the Iraq War, Phil Donahue was a skeptic of the Iraq War. The first one in the 2000s, not the... Phil Donahue, like the... The, the, the host on MSNBC. He used to have a show on MSNBC. He used to have a talk show for decades, which okay. was the yeah. precursor to Oprah. And, yeah. uh, and he actually said, if I do my job right, the next person to do this will be a black woman. So yeah, he actually <laughs> really? said that. He predicted it. Isn't that something? Yeah. So, uh, I yeah, I love that guy, Phil Donahue. Anyway, so he, because he actually speaks truth to power, he was on MSNBC. He had the highest rated show at the time, and they fired him because they said he had low ratings. And the reason why it came out later, there was a memo that got, you know, like um, leaked that said, uh, the America is patriotic right now in time of war. They're waving the flag. We can't be seen as unpatriotic. Well, there was also a bigger concern because at the time MSNBC was owned by General Electric, which is a huge defense contract. A million and a half clips and all those little yeah, ones. They break but I up. never watched the full ones. Like, I would rather have it something for everybody. I'll, I'll watch it five minutes. Oh, right, right. The problem with political talk, too, is like you don't want to get somebody only in five minutes. You're like, no, no, I'm going to give you a disclaimer eight minutes from now, but you need to include that, you know? Otherwise, you're making me seem like I. Yes, that's the problem. I believe something I don't. There's like a through line. Yeah. Um, All right, so So, where we left off. So we we left off. You were. I was talking about oligarchy. Oh, no, we were talking about people being fired in the media. 
And oh yeah, yeah. Is it an intentional so, thing where MSNBC would like scrub something like that? So yeah. So Phil Donahue got uh, fired. It came out. It was because he was anti-war. They said it was because he had low ratings, and his employer was the a huge defense contractor at the time. And uh, so then they also fired Jesse Ventura at the same time. Well, what they didn't fire him, they just never put him on the air. So they gave him a contract. And he brags about the house he bought. He goes, this is the house MSNBC bought me for not doing a show. They just wouldn't put him on. They just wouldn't put him on because they figured out what he was going to say. So, you know, nobody could predict 9-11 was going to happen and the Iraq war was going to happen when they signed these contracts with these people. And so then, uh, so that was and still And MSNBC is da- also pro-war? Yes. And, and Fox News as well? Yes. So that's that. This has got nothing to do with right or left. It's only got, got to do with like the money right. coming in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's why it's so weird that when Tucker Carlson brings on Tulsi Gabbard and gives her a fair uh, interview, right? Or when Tucker Carlson tells the truth about what's happening in Syria or Venezuela or the fake Iran attacks, he he he'll tell. And so my and my show, I'll cover him covering it correctly. And I'll say, now, why is Tucker Carlson allowed to tell the truth about this on Fox News? Because they're not allowed to tell the truth on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CNN, or nobody else on Fox even. Why is he, he allowed? I, I still haven't been able to figure that out. I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know why that is. I remember them hearing something about MSNBC a long time ago. I don't know if this was before. It had to be after 9-11. But they said that what they'll do is make one-third anti-war stories, two-thirds pro-war stories. So if you watch it on a loop like mm-hmm. Mitzi used to, you know, uh-huh. um, eventually your views will be shifted towards – Correct. I get a couple of ideas of why we shouldn't be at war. But overall, I think we should be because of these reasons. And you don't understand. Your opinion is being changed by them. But if they did 100 percent, you'd be like, well, this is clearly propaganda. Exactly right. So what – Chomsky has taught us is that the liberal class or the people who host those television shows and write op-eds in the New York Times and the Washington Post, they're there to set the parameters of what the debates are. So, for instance, can we debate uh, the Syrian war? Sure, you can debate if we, uh, how much we should bomb or how little we should bomb. Right. You can't say this is a sham bullshit. That's outside. The, you can't say this is all a false flag and this is exactly what we did in Libya. This is exactly what we did in Iraq. You can't have that. Con- That's outside. They're like, no, no, no. No, no, no. You have to all agree that uh, uh, that Assad is uh, gassing his people, and you have to agree that we have to do something, and then we can have the discussion that we have to do something, which is repeating CIA talking points. So that's what the CIA always does. If they want to invade a country and steal their natural resources, they first have to make the guy who's running the country is a dictator. He's uh, torturing and gassing his own people, and uh, that's and if we don't do something, then we're immoral. And right? the equivalent of that, and just like in our society, is is when black people rob their thugs when white people do something it's the criminals you know i mean it's just these terminology things you know uh um what are they called in in other countries in like middle eastern countries insurgent yeah right that way you don't see them as a human or moderate or or they're yeah they call them or when we like them we call them moderate rebels Right. So like in Syria, they're called rebels. We called Al Qaeda moderate rebels because why? Because they were doing our bidding at the time. So that just like when we in in Afghanistan, when the Mujahideen was fighting Russia, we like them. But then when they were against us, uh, we we didn't like them. We called them the Al Qaeda. Right. So we invented Al Qaeda and we created ISIS uh, from our invasion of Iraq. Right. So and these are very useful to us. Right. So we used ISIS in Libya and we used ISIS and Al Qaeda in Syria. What, what do I mean by use? Well, we wanted to overthrow Assad for many reasons. One of them was from a pipeline, uh, natural gas pipeline that Saudi Arabia and Qatar wanted to send through Syria to sell natural gas to uh, Europe. 
Why does Russia not want that? Because Russia sells the natural gas to Europe. So that's why they're propping up. So it's only about money. Again, it's another – so that's part of it. Another part of it is Israel. Israel also wants to overthrow Assad because they see them as a friend to Iran, which is what they consider their existential enemy. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Israel's working with ISIS. Wow. is working with ISIS. So again, it's, you know, it's this, politics makes strange bedfellows, so does war. But this is the stuff that's never reported in the United States. This is the stuff that people don't know. All they hear is, well, he gasses his own people, so we have to do something if we're moral. Well, so that's the trick the CIA plays. Same thing in Venezuela. Same thing in Libya. Libya was the most successful state in the entire uh, continent of Africa. Libya's people were, did well. They had education. They had health care. They had a good economy. And uh, what did we do? We had to topple that country, right? Because we because of what they weren't on our team. Yes, with with a system of government. Yes, and we wanted to steal their oil, and, and so, so now they have. I I, I mean, and we got him to, to get rid of his. We got we got him to get rid of his his weapons, and then we invaded him and killed. So that's why Kim uh, uh, in Northern Korea, they're not going to do that. Yeah, why would they? Why would I do that now? So yeah, everywhere else you've said, give up your weapons, we'll help you, and then you just invade us. Like, we have this nuclear, why would we allow, for sure come in. Yeah, and all of a sudden, everybody gave a shit about Venezuela? Why did we all of a sudden give a shit about Venezuela? I'll tell you why. Yeah, why is that? Well, uh, if you do a little searching, you find out Venezuela has more oil than Saudi Arabia. But is that, did that just start? No, but but they've been trying to overthrow the socialist leader of Venezuela. They did it in 2002 with Hugo Chavez. Remember, shortly they had a coup very briefly, but then the military wouldn't back it up, so it went. But that's the United States trying to overthrow the socialist leader of Venezuela because we want that oil. It seems like I can hear this sometimes in, in news stories. Once you, once you sort of see like you've been fooled, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been fooled. Yes. You know? And you yes. get all upset. and then you Barack look, Obama fooled me. And you, okay. Um, what well, let fool. me use an innocuous example first. Before, okay. So it doesn't like get people like, you know. The full skull, how about the first Gulf War? So we were told that the Iraqi soldiers were going into Kuwaiti hospitals, taking babies out of incubators, throwing them on the ground. I was, I remember that. I was in high school so, or college. Yeah. Yes. So that was in 1992. So before that, Americans... Did that not happen? That did not happen. And 50% of Americans were against the war. And so they got to find a way to do it. So they get this girl. They say she witnessed them taking babies out of incubators and throwing them on the floor. And it turns out, after a little investigation, this is before the, the Internet, that girl was the daughter of the Kuwaiti's ambassador. She was making it up. She was lying. Uh-huh. None of this ever happened, just like WMDs. They just made it up. That didn't happen. Guess what? Get people At, riled up enough. After that like- girl's testimony, uh, support for the w- invasion of Iraq skyrocketed and we invaded iraq or kuwait put it that way kuwait and then 10 years later same thing they have to make up wmds and make up this and rape rooms what did we do over there well it's like the lesson from the holocaust where it's like the holocaust was without say a lot was like the last justified reason to go to war right even though that's probably not why we went it seems like we discovered that shit once we were already there right but like yeah then you just play on that like hey they're doing shit bad shit to people like yeah then we gotta stop that yeah 
It's well, a heartstrings thing. But. Yeah, and then, but you always go like, okay, okay, where's the oil? And and look what we did to Libya. Nobody talks about that. And even whenever whenever I do a video of telling the truth about what happened in Libya, it gets demonetized. It gets suppressed. Really on YouTube, of course. Demon- oh, yes, wow. anything anything that time you tell the truth about war on YouTube, it gets demonetized and suppressed. To try to so Rogan will talk about this. It's not so much the, the demonetization because that doesn't affect you unless your whole account is demonetized. Right. It doesn't affect you crazy just that one video but what it does is shift you to be like do you like money obviously you do everyone kind of does you know my people more than most but like but like uh (laughs) sorry you don't have to join it but like um but like it just shifts you to like the the feeling like i'd rather have money so i'll do one about dogs i'm just a little more likely to do the kind of video you like if that makes me more money i'd rather do a sitcom than a fucking cool webisode because Way more money for the sitcom. And then a few people are like, I'd rather do the webisode. I don't need the money. Yeah, it's the, you're exactly right. I, I find myself uh, almost not like, well, because I, I, I have 20 stories to cover every day. Yeah. But I can only cover like maybe three. So now I have to decide. And so, yeah, I was like, uh, if I do that, it, they'll, they're going to demonetize it. The, it's not it's so bad that they just demonetize it. But it's that I know it gets suppressed. It gets into an algorithm once that it they, gets demonetized, so it's not going to be seen by the same amount of people. It's almost private. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. But I, but I have had uh, – uh, or what they'll do is they'll demonetize a video, and then you can request a review by a person. Mm-hmm. And um, – so I'll get like two hundred thousand views on it, and then they'll go, "Yeah, you're right. This is okay." So by the so all its views have been used up, so it can't be. You know what I mean? So they didn't run commercials on it, but then after oh, people right. are done watching it, oh, you're right. Now you can put commercials on it, like you add. You know what you're fucking. Yeah, doing. the first five, you know, five days is when yes, it gets everything. Is when it gets. So um, what's your what's your uh, YouTube channel? It's uh, it's Jimmy the Jimmy Dore Show. The Jimmy. Dore so Show. YouTube. I see a lot of those clips. They're they're really they're informative and like. Yeah, it's like a what? You're just always doing that. Like, well, if what? people people knew what was actually happening in Syria, they would all be just as angry as Tulsi Gabbard, and they'd be voting for her. Here's here's the innocuous example I was going to use. Remember Cecil the Lion? And I'm the, they killed this lion. This oh, dad just killed a lion right. with a black mane. Right. I remember being in the back of a cab in New York and commiserating with this cab driver. We're like, fuck this guy. Right. What a fucking asshole he is. And then later, I was riled up, and then later you do more research, like, no, no, they give up 40 permits a year to kill lions because they have to keep the lion population down. All these people from the country are like, a lion killed my brother, to be honest. We actually need to keep them down. And one way we raise money is to sell these permits. Instead of just doing it ourselves, we'll sell it for 50 grand. Oh, really? And then we have to keep this lion population down. Rogan later said, like, if he has a black mane, that means he's super old, which means he killed tons of lion cubs. You don't get that old without killing lion cubs. Oh, okay. And so that's all this other stuff. You're like, oh, I was riled up. Like, incorrectly. Right. And then I'm like, well, that happens all the time. So when I hear something about Venezuela, suddenly it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can see it. You're trying to rile me up. So here is the most recent thing that – and this is what drives me crazy, and this is kind of the mission of my show. Yeah. So um, I forget who it was. It was like maybe um, some important person. Uh, from the government tweeted out about how oh I know it was Robert Reich who used to be the tr- uh, Treasury Secretary or the Budget Director for, for Bill Clinton Robert Reich he's the short guy yeah and uh, he's very, you know he's usually very bright I like him he tweeted out something about how the president uh, was fined two million dollars for inc- incorrectly using his charity and he goes this isn't even a story no one's even talking about this that's how far we've slunk. And I go, George Bush 
is doing a happy dance on Ellen DeGeneres' show right now because, uh, and he's a torturer and lied us into an illegal war. And he's doing a happy dance with Ellen because Nancy Pelosi is complicit in both of those things. And the reason why George Bush wasn't impeached is because Nancy Pelosi is complicit in torture. What which, do you mean? What do you mean? Well, she was told they were torturing people uh, in 2002, and she didn't do anything about it. Where, in Iraq or Afghanistan? Yeah, she was told about our torture program, and she didn't do anything about it. She didn't alert anybody about it. She's complicit in war crimes, which is why she never had a hearing to impeach George Bush. When they won, they took over the House, she goes, impeachment is off the table. And everybody's like, why? Why is impeachment because her off name the table? Because her name would come up. And who revealed that? Julian Assange revealed that. And that's where they want to kill Julian Assange. That's another reason why everybody wants to kill Julian Assange. But they but, but they defend Jim Acosta, who's a grandstanding clown. But a real journalist like Julian Assange, they don't care about, right? Isn't that interesting? Or Chelsea Manning. What do you mean they don't care about? Well, they, they're, they're not standing up. You didn't see Nancy Pelosi's defending a journalist right. called Je- Because they, they say he's not a journalist. That's their, that's that's, their way of getting him. That's their way of getting around it. But, of course, he's won awards for his journalism. Of course he's a journalist. What do journalists do? They're supposed to expose the powerful, and that's what he does. What the journalists do in America is they, they forward the ideology of the powerful. They don't ever talk back to it. Yeah. And if they do, it's a big deal. Like Chris Hayes on MSNBC uh, did a segment for three minutes about how uh, NBC News suppressed the Harvey Weinstein reporting, right? Yeah. So he did it for – and people were like, did you see he talked against MSNBC? He told the truth for three minutes, and everybody wants to give him a fucking award? Holy shit! He's got a 60-minute show at night. That's how it should be 60 minutes. He should be blowing the fucking roof off the place. Of course, he doesn't. He does it for three minutes, and everybody thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, you also got to give the people a puppy story once in a while. But, but for 40 minutes, you can do, you can do revealing stuff. You got to let them feel good. But. So that's how bad things have gotten. Uh, that's why my show is successful. Oh, so Robert Reich, I didn't get to the part yeah. where he tweeted out about that. And I retweeted it and I said, the reason why I, we have Trump is because of uh, Nancy Pelosi failed to prosecute George Bush. Uh, and, and what Chris Hedges says is Trump is what is what gets vomited up from a failed democracy. And everybody's wow. focusing on Trump, right? As if corruption started in January 2017. And I showed and I did a thread on this Robert Reich's tweet. And the thread was Barack Obama went from the White House to Wall Street in record time. Uh, faster than anybody. And what's, what is his... Like, as soon as he's done, it's like time to cash yeah, in. Yeah, cashed in, started doing speeches for $400,000 at a clip. So, so, so like we talked about this before, about how, like, if they demonetize you, it's going to incentivize you to do stuff that will be monetizable. If you know you have this, this, this golden parachute, when I get out, I get to speak to all these people and make all this money, that would incentivize you to, to benefit them while you're in power. It's like I know they'll pay me if I give them a few favors. So it's like I won't bend over backwards. But I'll bend over a little bit. Shouldn't that just be illegal? Shouldn't that be like, no, no, it's everyone would fall to this. So we can't allow anybody to have it. Yes, that should be illegal, Ari. Yes. Uh, Barack Obama's entire. It's human nature. No one's above this. this th- they right. said when they tried to uh, fool Buddha when he was sitting under the tree, they gave him tons of money. He was like, oh, no, no, no. They gave him tons of food. He's like, oh. No, and then they gave him women. He almost fell on women. He was like, that was the closest he came. But it's like these pulls to to go against your moral fabric, you should not allow those to reach our fucking people who run shit. 
So here's another thing that Julian Assange revealed. Yeah. Barack Obama's entire cabinet came from an email from Citigroup. What do you mean? So Citigroup sent an email to the Barack Obama campaign with their list of people they wanted in his administration. Every one of those people on that list ended up in Barack Obama's administration. And that was revealed by Julian Assange. Now you know that why they want to kill this guy? Now you know why? Because he, he exposes George Bush and he exposes Barack Obama. He exposes Nancy Pelosi. Citigroup, he, the, the banking corporation? Or yes. They the said, we want you to nominate these people? These are the people we want. Who do you think Eric Holder was? Eric Holder was a lawyer who spent his life protecting the Wall Street banks. He hires him as the guy who's supposed to prosecute him, which is why nobody got prosecuted. Even in the savings and loan debacle in the 80s, they prosecuted hundreds of bankers. And that was a much slower scale of corruption than this was. So that's why it's funny when everyone's running around like Robert Reich pretending that corruption started when Trump got elected. We got a Trump because of the corruption inside the Democratic Party. People would not come out and vote for a warmongering corporatist like Hillary Clinton, who put half their relatives in jail with the crime bill and took half their jobs away with NAFTA. And then she didn't even bother to go to their state to campaign. That's the corruption inside the Democratic Party. And where was she? She was she was down in Texas and Arizona doing huge fundraiser events because she just wanted to get money. Is it in both parties or is it just Democratic Party? Course, well, the de- so what happened was in, uh, when Bill Clinton took the Democratic Party to the right. He's after uh, uh, 12 years of Ronald Reagan and George Bush the first, he decided that the Democratic Party was too far left. And so so uh, so what Bill Clinton did was he moved him to the right. So far to the right where people who have been Republicans their whole life, uh, like Elizabeth Warren, was like, well, now I'm a Democrat finally. And what happened to the Republicans is they have to also oppose the Democrats. So they have to move further right. So the more right the Democrats move, the Republicans move even further right. So people like Bob Dole, you know, Bob Dole was the guy who gave us the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now they wouldn't even re-sign it, the Republicans. And the, right. So that's how, so they've moved that over to the right. So now where Barack Obama was Basically, Mitt Romney. So his policies were moderate Republican. That's his words, not mine. They asked Barack Obama if he was a socialist, and he said, my policies are moderate Republican. And he wasn't fucking lying. He made the Bush tax cuts permanent. He made the banks bigger. He opened the Arctic to drilling twice whenever Shell Oil asked. There's fracking pipes underneath this country because he repealed the the laws against exporting natural resources. I mean, it's amazing what he did. He let cops crack the heads of peaceful protesters at Occupy Wall Street. He let them take their union away from the teachers in Wisconsin. And that's why people would. But he got gay marriage. Which would have happened anywhere because everybody was like, we're ready for this to be. That's right. I mean, most people are like, we don't care. So that's the thing. People still think Barack Obama is Santa Claus, and that's exactly what the establishment wants, Ari, because they want, oh, look, he was a good steward. He took us from two wars to seven. At the height of the Iraq war, we were spending $500 billion on our military year. At the height of the Iraq war, $500 billion, which is insane. We're now spending $700 billion. That's a 40% increase. 40% 40% increase, in, and we don't have an, an enemy. We don't have nobody. And what other, did, did we get a 40% increase in education, 40% increase in your pay, 40% increase in Social Security? No, but the military, they gave Donald Trump $80 billion in one year extra. The right. largest increase in military spending in the history of our country, the Democrats and the Republicans gave Donald Trump $80 billion extra. And I ask you, if he's really working for Russia, and he's a Manchurian candidate, why would you give him $80 billion more billion to do what he wants? 
wants with our military. It's because they know he's not working for Russia, and this is all fucking politics, and they are puppets of the military-industrial complex, and Trump stood up to the military-industrial complex for a second, and that's what all this shit is about. Do you think... I saw one, because every once in a while, I, I want to tell, like, real leftist people, and let's get into progressivism in a second, but, like, I want to be like, can you tell... Like, it's like, okay, so... You're not a parent, are you? No. Okay. So when I hear my parent friends talking about parenting, they're always like, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then in quiet moments, they talk about how tired they are and whatever. And I'm like, just share the whole part of it. And I can believe you. Share the good and the bad. And the way they're so anti-Trump, where I'm like, can you name anything he's done well? And they're like, nothing. And I'm like, okay. And then I present them with one. I remember hearing a, a reading an article. One was like, he passed this law of like the right to try law, uh, which is like, if you have a terminal illness... With six months to live or less, you can try an experimental drug. And everyone's like, that's good. I'm like, can you say Trump, that was good, Trump did it? And they're like, I can't. And you're like, okay. So I get that I'll, you can never give it up for anything the guy does, but like, why does it, why, like, okay. so I'll tell you why. So there's this video on YouTube right now, and it said, please stop making me defend Trump. And it's because there's, a, there's enough stuff that he's actually doing that you could criticize him on. You don't have to invent crazy bullshit, yeah. which is what they're doing. And it's all one big morality play. Hillary Clinton tried that in 2016, and she lost. Her thing is, I'm a better person than Donald Trump, and yeah. that's what they're trying to do again. They're trying to say, look, he's now a traitor. He's this. He's not. Now they're going to... So, and, the, and the reason why is because they don't want to offer people something because their donors don't want to offer people something. So now they have to fight against Trump on bullshit issues like identity politics, on Russiagate, on this fucking phone call to the Ukraine. He's committing a genocide in Yemen, which is bipartisan, by the way. Right. And nobody's impeaching him for that. Isn't that amazing? Nobody's impeaching him for the emoluments clause where Saudi Arabia is paying, oh, way overpaying at his hotels. Why? Because it's Saudi Arabia. We can't do it because of the petrodollar. So there's lots of corruption that everybody's okay with. But now there's this one corruption we can kind of think we can get Trump on without. And that's why it's so narrow. Why do no, you think so they would? obvious. It went straight from like Russiagate to the, they're like, oh, we have to drop that. And they're like, a month and a half later, they're like, we got him for impeachment for Ukraine. I'm like, guys, you got to take a year off. For impeachment talk, you can't just go straight to the next one. It's boy who cried wolf. It's classic boy who cried wolf. So, and and, and isn't it ironic after they got rid of uh, Alex Jones for being a conspiracy theorist that they just they launched the biggest conspiracy theory for three years, evidence free, a hoax. And if anybody watched that Robert Mueller's testimony in front of Congress, that was elder abuse. That guy was not even there. Everybody's pretending that Rob. First of all, they all pretend Robert Mueller is a beacon of integrity. Robert Mueller is one of the motherfuckers who lied us into the Iraq War. Oh, really? It, I got the tape. I play it on my show all the time. He lied about Al Qaeda and weapons of mass destruction. And he fucking he has a million tells when he lies too. By the way, he's a shitty liar, and he has a million <laughs> can't even make eye contact. And I, I go, this is the guy that the Democrats are saying is our savior. This is the guy who one of the and so that's and what then he revealed nothing. And they're like, well, nothing. And so, so if Trump is really this Manchurian candidate and he's working for Putin and he they were in collusion to rig the election, and he's such an incompetent fool. How did he – so he, he was able to somehow pull the wool over the eyes and out-dodge the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and Robert Mueller's investigation for 22 months. But he's an idiot. Well, maybe he – I think he is an idiot, like they say, maybe but maybe he, he didn't fucking do anything. And that's why there's no evidence. Because if he did something, they would have found it. And the way they got those FISA warrants is all bullshit. Anyway, they did a push-pull with Papadopoulos. It's too complicated. 
But what they did was the FBI set up Papadopoulos. They sent a guy to Papadopoulos to tell him this, hey, the Russians have these emails. Then the FBI sends another guy to Papadopoulos to go, hey, have you heard anything about Russia? And he goes, yeah, I heard this thing about Russia. And then they tell the FBI, they go to the FISA warrant. We heard. A guy who works for Trump says he's working with the Russians. He knows this stuff. And that's how they get the FISA warrant. So that's a classic intel operation. It's, it's in their playbook. That's how they do it. And they did that to Papadopoulos. Yeah. In terms of the fucking, this is what I was going to say And so when they get a FISA warrant, people don't realize what a FISA warrant is. No, I don't know what that is. So a FISA warrant comes with a two-hop rule, meaning if the government gets a warrant to tap your phone. What is FISA? Freedom of Information. That's that's the, the, the terrorist court. Okay. Right. So that's the secret court. And there's you don't get to there, nobody gets to present counter evidence. It's just the FBI goes in there and says, here's what we have. Can you give us a warrant to tap this guy and get all his information, which comes with a two hop. And what does a two hop mean? So if they have a warrant for you and they're listening in on your phone call, they can now listen into anybody you talk to. And uh, anybody that you talk to talks to. Whoa. That's called a two hop. So if they're investigating you and I give I call you like to schedule this. Now they can they can listen to my mom? Yes. That's called a two hop. <laughs> wow. That's called a two hop. Wow. So they had everybody. So if they got Papadopoulos, then they got anybody Papadopoulos talked to inside the Trump campaign, and then anybody who inside the Trump campaign they talked to. So that means they got everybody. So they've had a FISA warrant on the entire. No shred of evidence. And they still haven't come up with anything. My mom used to say because she like reads all this stuff and she's a avid MSNBC person. She's like, well, he definitely did something. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I would love if he did and we could like get rid of him. But I'm like, I just feel like I would have heard something by now. And she He's- goes, they don't want to let people know they're on to them. And I was like, mom, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of the Russian. Anyone who has information as part of it is not like spending money like Goodfellas. Like I'm buying a new mint coat. It's like the heat's there. You're obviously going to go underground. I mean, it's not an issue. And so the reason why there isn't any evidence there is because there isn't any evidence. So why would they keep doing so this? Why, yeah, why do they keep doing it? Then? Because, That's the next question. Because it's the perfect dodge for the loss to Donald Trump. The establishment gave us Donald Trump. They'd have to apologize for giving him $2 billion in free media while not, not covering Bernie Sanders at the same time. They'd have to talk about Hillary Clinton completely rigging the primary against Bernie Sanders. They had never talked about that. They never talk about ever. that. She completely rigged it. She was running the DNC. Even the current Democrats, when they like, how are you going to make sure there's a fair election this they year? Because we all kind of know. You. They go, you know, we, we, we appreciate a fair election. Like, they, but they, would you mention it, that they rigged it before? Even Bernie won. They're all like, eh. Bernie signed off on superdelegates again, which was a mistake. So when they had their unity commission, right, or, uh, and they were supposed to uh, come together and get rid of superdelegates, they didn't. They're still superdelegates, meaning if they go to the convention and on the first vote, they don't, nobody has a majority, they go to a second round, and then the superdelegates vote, which means they're going to pick it, which is what a lot of people which said. Which is not that the, they're not representing the people. They're exactly, representing themselves. right. Which is why we have Tom Perez as the head of the DNC, because the superdelegates chose Tom Perez. We wanted Keith Ellison, which was a real progressive, a guy who stood up for Bernie. Barack Obama weighs in. He starts twisting everybody's arm. We got Tom Perez so that the Democratic Party went from not taking fossil fuel money to then again taking fossil fuel money. So now they're in, they said they want to fight climate change, but they're in bed with the oil company. That's the Democratic Party is what gave us Trump. And that's what people don't realize, right? So the, the Republicans didn't want Trump. They all tried to fight against him, yeah. right? 
right? The Democrats didn't want Trump, but who did they fight? The guy who could have beat him, which was Bernie Sanders, a populist. And Trump ran as a populist against the Republican populist, Party. Populist, hold on. Populist means man of the people, pretty yes. much? Okay. Yeah. Not adhering to a party ideology. That is the one thing I probably liked about Trump. He, he lied the whole time, but he was like, yeah, he fuck said, these people. That's I'm exactly- getting them all gone. Like, all right. I don't like you, but I like that sentiment. Yes. He, and he would come out and say, I bought these people. I'd give them money and they did what I asked them to. And that was so refreshing to hear to some people, right? Uh, also, what Bernie what, would have done that same thing. And, and he would have done the same thing. Like, I also say, fuck them. And so Bernie's not doing that enough. He does it, but he doesn't do it enough. Bernie's not running it. He goes, Joe Biden's a good friend of mine. No, Joe Biden is the fucking problem. Joe Biden's corruption is what gave us Donald Trump. Joe Biden is the one who screwed people in bankruptcy. You know, he was working for the banks, Joe Biden. So he pushed this bankruptcy reform, which I'm sure you might remember, which said you can never get rid of your credit card debt. They can charge you 35% if they want. You can never get rid of your student loan debt. And you can't get rid of your medical debt. All this stuff, you're all not regular people are fucked. Trump can 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 declare bankruptcy, but you can't declare bankruptcy, and that's because of Joe Biden, and he's no friend of the working man, and Joe Biden is just as bad as any fucking Republican has ever been to the working man. Fuck Joe Biden, fuck the Democrats, fuck Nancy Pelosi, and fuck Barack Obama, who governed like a right-wing Republican, and then one's around wringing his hands and blames the voters that we got Donald Trump. Well, if you don't vote, why don't they not vote, Barack? Because they had eight years of Barack Obama and their lives got fucking worse. Yeah, the idea in New York and L.A. that it's like, it's all better. And it's like, you got to get you got to go to Dayton, man. You got to get out of your car in Dayton and see how people are have recovered. All you got to do is exit 6th Street off the 110 and go under that ramp. There's a fucking tent city there. All you got to do, any, it's in Glendale now. I get off the it's two. Everywhere. I get off the two underneath. There's a tent city in Glendale. There's a tent city in Pasadena. There's tent cities all over this fucking country. $80 billion to the military and there was no debate about it. There was no hand wringing. There was no national discourse. No op eds. Eighty billion. How much is eighty billion dollars, Ari? Twenty billion would end homelessness in in the entire country. Twenty billion would end homelessness. Look, and look. then you could take the rest of that money and send everybody to college for free, just with that eighty billion they gave to the military that nobody talks about. So let me ask you a question because this is something that me and my I think progressive friends, progressive almost doesn't seem like it has a party. Progressive is just no, like, they don't. It's just like. We just want to, I don't know, we want to help that guy. Can yeah. we help? He's failed. Just want we, what the, regular, the rest of the world has that's very doable. So my friends that are that, some are Republican, some are Democrat, but they're all kind of progressive. Like, you know, you got to help. I don't know, whatever. But we see this homelessness problem and we keep talking about it. Like, is any politician talking about how these tent cities are spreading like mm-hmm. a fucking virus? Right. Like veins through these major cities. And I, I, is anyone talking about it? No, they're not a constituency. So they don't vote, uh, they don't donate, and the homeless. Yeah, but so when we drive down Sunset and we see little tent cities, we're at least aware of it. Right. Is any vote- politician going, hey, we actually have to do something about this homelessness? I haven't heard anybody make it a centerpiece of their wow. campaign. There are some. There is a local. Some uh, Dave Anthony was just telling me about some local people here in L.A. that are running for city council and things like that that are, have homelessness at the forefront. I'm, and the I'm, mayor, I think, did a ta- mayor or governor. I don't know. Made a task force. That, yes, and then Trump has actually started to talk about it. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but their solutions are lacking. Their solutions is to use criminal justice and criminalize people, which is the fucking back. So the way you right. end homelessness is you give people homes. That's the first thing you do. Right now, the way we treat it is like. Well, you first have to make sure you're not on drugs and you make sure you you, know that you can't get your act together if you don't have a house. First, you give them a house and then they can help get their act together. And that's and by the way, we can do this in America. Twenty billion dollars. Twenty billion dollars a year it would cost to end homelessness. 
Twenty. To, what do you mean end homelessness? So to give people homes who have, who are you know, and they they've done it in certain cities where they do. Hey, we're going to make every veteran have a home. They've done it in certain to cities. to make sure like we're not letting a veteran sleep yeah. in the street. That's and they've done it. For us. And really? you can do it. And they and the way they do is they give them fucking homes, right? Or an apartment. You know what I mean? And so and we again the the money we have right now they're they're giving money to the banks again. Did you know about this? So they gave $129 billion in two days to the banks, just like that. Snapped their fingers. They, they printed it. So that's what Dodd-Frank did. So you know when we had the big banking meltdown and they had to have the TARP fund? And that was politically tough to pass, right? Because a lot of people didn't want to bail out the banks, right? Right. In Iceland, uh, they did not. So it was, and the first, in the first vote, it failed. They didn't bail out the banks, right? So they had to, it was really a lot of hand-wringing went on to get that TARP passed. So when they wrote Dodd-Frank, they wrote it into the bill that if this shit happens again, we're not going to have a vote. We're just going to have the Fed fucking print money and send it to the banks. And that's what's happening. Whoa. Because they're failing again? Yeah. It's happening. But you don't know about it. Why? Because they're just printing the money to make them whole again. And that's happening right fucking now. And the banks are bigger than Barack Obama became president. And people were ready. And that's the sad thing. There's a moment in time. Barack Obama had a moment. People were ready for huge revolution change. People wanted him to break up the banks. Hope. Yeah. People wanted him to break up the banks. People uh, wanted national health care. People were ready for some shit. People wanted him to end those wars. People. And he didn't do any of that. He expanded the wars. He expanded the banks. I remember when they said, like, well, Syria... We've got to get rid of this guy Assad. He's gassing his people. Yeah. And we got to go in there. And the public sentiment after Iraq and Afghanistan, and they didn't know about some other ones, but after the major press of Iraq and Afghanistan, the public sentiment was like, no, dude, no. Right. We're not going into another one. And so he's like, fuck, can't do this. Yes. And then eight months later, it shifted to like the insurgency group in in uh, Syria is really bad. We got to go stop them. And we were like, wait, so now we got to fight on the side of the guy we wanted to to, – to, Right? To take out. Now we're on his side. It's pretty schizophrenic. And then right? he went back later. After that's like, we got to get rid of Assad. And it's like, man, you really want to go in there, don't you? It really seems obvious that you want to go in there. Hey, and by the way, uh, as Trump is pulling out of Syria, he's leaving a force behind. Do you know what the force is being left behind to do? What? Guard the oil. Guard the oil. Did you see that tweet that Trump had in the last five, four months maybe? Of said, He said, and this is one of those moments where you're like, whoa, what? Uh, he said they wanted to go to war with Iran. We were about ready to invade them, and I stopped it. Yeah. What was that all about? So they've been again. They <laughs> were they about to do it? So if you read, um, well, uh, General Wesley Clark let oh, the I was cat ask you about that. The let the cat out invade. of the bag on this, yeah. right? And uh, so he, they, they, they've got up right after nine eleven. They have this plan. What's the plan? The plan is they're going to invade seven different countries. Wait, hold on. There's a video you can see. Yes, time stamped before He's, we went to any of these places. This before. Yes, this is correct. A YouTube, I'll put that on my website. Well, no, no, no. This, this was after the Iraq war had started and, Af- and Afghanistan. He's, this is General Wesley Clark. Okay. And I think he's in maybe 2007. He's talking to Amy Goodman on Democracy Now! And he tells a story about when he went into the Pentagon after 9-11. And the guy calls him in and he shows him the plan. He goes, hey, we're going to war in Iraq. He goes, why are we going to Iraq? He goes, I don't know. He goes, but here's the plan. We're going to go into Iraq, Syria, Libya, Afghanistan, the Sudan, Yemen. Yemen. Yeah. And I forget what the other one is, but we're in all of them. We're in all of them now. Yeah. Even when we weren't Somalia. I think Somalia Somalia, was another one of them. And we're in all of them. And he's and, like, we're going in there. And then we're we figure out a reason remember why. Remember it was like a year or two years ago where there were some Marines got killed in the Sudan. And people are like, why are we doing it in the Sudan? Oh, we're in there too? Well, they got natural elements in there we got to get. Oh. So um, 
this has been planned. This isn't. And so this, so they just have to make up a reason, just like with Venezuela. Oh, he's a dictator. We give a fuck. We have a torture facility I heard somebody, still. It was some, I don't know if it was Chomsky or Bernie Sanders. I get them mixed up sometimes. But they were like, well, they're not taking humanitarian aid. And, and whoever it was said, oh, no, if we want to give Bernie Sanders said that. Bernie, it's like, if we want to give them aid, we'll just give it to the UN to give them. They're not taking it from us right. because they can't do business with us. Right. If we really wanted to get them aid, we're right. like, hey, my friend's not talking to me right now. Can you give this to him? And then they would just take it. That's right. But we don't really – we want them to refuse our aid so, so that we can have an excuse. So what they did was they had them, hey, look, we're, here's all the aid we're trying to send them. They're blocking it. They set it on fire, meaning the United States CIA set the aid on fire and said that Venezuela did it. Wow. And it got reported on CNN that it, it was Venezuela who did this. And then everybody reported, re-reported CNN's reporting. It was false. That was phony because I knew a reporter who was in this country at the time, Max Blumenthal, and he debunked it in real time. And so I was able to debunk it on my show at the Young Turks and my show on YouTube, the Jimmy Dore Show at KPFK. In real time, I debunked it three weeks later. The New York Times finally debunked that story. And then what do they say once they do that? Do they ever go like, well, who who ran that original story? We got a fucking heads got a wall. They don't ever say that. We almost went to a war with the country because we fucking ran a bad story. They don't ever say that. Is is anyone in the media, the news, let's call it the news, uh, the media loses its fucking what, what it means, but like... Does anyone in there, the reporters, do they, don't they have that spark that made them go into that in the first place of saying, no, no, we want to give out the truth. And it used to be the only thing the Washington Post sold was truth. And so you can't give us money to go against the truth because we can't give anything to these people. We're only selling truth. And that seems hey, gone you, now. Isn't you, any one reporter going, hey, no, the rest of my company fucking sucks right now. If you got up on stage at a comedy club. Every night, and said, "Hey, everybody here is getting free tickets because they can't. They don't have a good enough show to sell you tickets. How much longer do you think you'd be inside the comedy business? You would be outside the comedy business, and that's the same thing that happens in news media. I was invited to this big news media symposium where all these news regular news people are walking around, and they all have their awards that they've won for their reporting. And I was on a panel." And the guy says to me uh, uh, about, now, Jimmy, you know, you do a YouTube show, but you don't do real reporting. I go, well, then why? Sure, I do. A, that's what they don't want to believe anybody else could do reporting. All reporting is sticking your head, as Greg Palace told me, sticking your head down the street and reporting back what you see. That's what reporting is. They they don't have to go to fucking school for it. And if you do go to fucking school for it, you're an idiot. Uh, So (laughs) the guy, uh, so so I I, I said to the guy, I go, you know, isn't it weird? uh, that he goes, you know, I don't know what you guys think about what we do in editorial meetings. He goes, well, we don't talk like you think we do. I go, isn't it funny that uh, you don't talk like I say you do, but every editorial meeting has the same conclusion, we should go to war? Isn't that weird? And the reason why every editorial meeting that you've ever been in has the conclusion that we should go to war is because you've been groomed to take that job at that editorial meeting since you were in fucking kindergarten. Guys like me have been getting kicked out of organizations since day one. I'm not invited into that fucking editorial meeting because I think for myself. You have been chosen for that fucking position. Because he, they know he's a pro-war guy, That's so right. hire him. He's an establishment going along, and if he ever showed any idea, any indication that he was a, a rebel, he would get weeded out. Brian Williams didn't get to be the top of the news because he does good news. He got there because he pro- he is willing to promote and do it mindlessly, the establishment narrative on everything. 
And, you know, the fact that he got in trouble for puffing up his war record, the real crime of Brian Williams was that during the Iraq war, people would turn on Brian Williams' news show to get the straight dope about what was happening in Iraq so we can make decisions as an informed electorate. What he didn't tell us was that the, ge- the generals he was bringing on to tell us about what was happening in Iraq were being paid by weapons manufacturers to advocate not only for more war, but in s- many instances, specific weapons. They would go on his news show and advocate, wow, well, what really? this calls for is a certain Stinger missile. We should have. And they, they're like, working yeah, for the that. guys. We need that. And the guy who exposed that won a Pulitzer Prize for it in New York Times. Brian Williams still never told his audience that those people were paid propagandists. And they do it today. I just did it on my show. CBS, when there was the Iran attack or the... The, the Jimmy Dore show. The Jimmy Dore show. So they, I, I turned on CBS News. They bring on their Middle East expert. And I looked up who this Middle East expert is. It's a guy who just got elected to the board at Raytheon. They don't tell you that. Whoa. I do, and they demonetize that video. Wow. Yeah, CBS war expert. Why, who owns YouTube that would Ra- do that? Is working for Raytheon, demonetized. Who owns YouTube that would do that? YouTube owns it. Google owns that. And Alphabet, the, the biggest, one of the biggest, most profitable countries in the history of the world is Google. And they and own why, YouTube. And why do they want more war, Google? Uh, first what of all, war game? is good for profits. They're funded by the military industrial complex, just like everybody else. Uh, they're also in a war. YouTube is in a war with mainstream media for, for viewers. So that's why they're going after the news. So places like CNN and the Washington Post write hit pieces on guys like me on YouTube because I'm doing better work than they are, and they're losing advertising revenue. So they're trying to scare advertisers with propaganda away from YouTube. And so that's why YouTube has to do things like demonetizing to to placate the mainstream news press because they're creating a a negative advertising environment on YouTube. Do you follow me? Yeah. So now... if. So what, they're saying that we can't make as much money if we have these like so out there people. So if New, so if the New York Times runs an article or NBC News runs a story that says, "Hey, advertisement is running on Nazis videos or on conspiracy theorists videos." That's how they can scare, and they did. That's what's ad apocalypse, right? So they scared advertisers away from YouTube until YouTube got some kind of algorithm that made it safe for them to advertise. And so that's why they suppress all of the stuff that we want to talk about, because it's not safe. They don't mind if you talk about the Syrian war, but they want you to talk about it in a certain way. So that's why MSNBC's videos on the Syrian war, they don't get demonetized. I do the exact same title of the... But mine will be. Why? Because I'm going to tell the truth about it. And again, there are. Because you're not linked to any sort of like side. Mm-hmm. You're not getting money from the military. You know? That's right. I, I did. Probably take it. I, I got money from an anti interventionist organization. So I was doing a lot of reporting exposing the bullshit on Syria, and I'm against intervention in Syria. So there's an organization that's anti interventionist. They gave me $2,500, which is enough to keep me in hair dye for about three months. <laughs> do you dye it? I dye the shit out of my hair. Of course, you I do. just got those little pops at the bottom. No, so I just, I just started going a little. At my, my hair dye. Just like Jim, you got to make it look natural. Yeah, yeah. You started you to look like little. Joe Pesci. I'm like, all right. She goes, well, let me get a little gray in your side. I go, okay, gray in the sideburns. That's it. This is what I did. I took beginning Hebrew in college, and I was fluent at the time. <laughs> but you had to fuck up. If you got a hundred percent, they would know. shift you up to advance. <laughs> so you had to like spell a couple letters backwards. Uh-huh. You had to get a ninety six, yeah. and then you could skate. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. that's, this that's what I'm is trying your, to do. Your 4%. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like uh, looking my age. Do no. you? No. First of all, when, oh, all of a sudden my, I was out to lunch with a friend and he had uh, gray sideburns that came like one of these things, right? Yeah. Gray. 
And then he looked like, but like some guys can pull off the gray, literally. Like like Richard Gere can pull off gray hair, right? Most people can't. It makes you look old. I remember uh, uh, Brendan Walsh. He, but he had the gray beard and eventually started dying. He's like, I was like I don't, I'm 32. And he looked Can't like I he just was look 52? Like I'm 32? Yeah, why do you want to look like you're 62? Yeah. You're 32. Look your age. Exactly. I thought the same thing when I saw so I'm like, that's not going to be good in Hollywood. That's unless you're playing, unless every role you're going out for is Santa. Oh, gray. You mean for Brendan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If every role yeah. you're going out for is Santa, you <laughs> got okay, it. Okay, but yeah. otherwise be careful. But uh, Gary Brightwell also can pull off the the gray hair. But most people can't. And, and it's just like, it's like, am I sitting at lunch with fucking Benjamin Franklin? I don't want to feel like this. Yeah. Can everybody, all my friends, just please dye their hair? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone can blend in. Yeah. Or dye it all gray. So we all have to or, deal with it. Yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. So now let's talk. Let's start talking about what a progressive is. And I want to talk about also like who wants to get out of war because it's like, here's how I think people should vote. You tell me the fucking issues and what side you're on, and then I will tell you which candidate you should vote for. So playing saxophone on Arsenio Hall doesn't play into this. You just tell me what you want. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how it works? Yeah. But they find out, you know, they do studies, people vote on emotions. On emotion. People have already chosen their Democrat. I'm like, they haven't even done, this is like, I'm talking about two debates mm-hmm. ago. I'm like, they haven't even said what they're for. I know. Like, I like her. I like him. Right? And like, would you just wait to hear what they have to say? No. I know it's 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 like a high school uh, king and queen at the prom. It's yeah. like it's a popular whoever I like the most, and it's got man. And but the media works hard to make sure people don't know what the real stories are too. So that's you can't blame the voters in, in that sense. I think the voters, the hundred million people don't vote. That's the biggest voting block in America, and they know what's up because they know that no matter who I vote for, I'm fucked. New York Times did yeah. do a good report. After the 2016 election, uh, they sent a reporter to barbershops in Milwaukee and find out how they voted. And uh, uh, there was, they went to one barbershop. There were four guys, right? Uh, four of them all voted for Barack Obama twice. Uh, two of them didn't vote in, in for, in the at all. One. The two that did vote, one of them voted for, uh, uh, um, uh, for wrote, wrote in Bernie Sanders, and one of them voted for Trump. And they asked them why, and they're like, well, we voted for Barack Obama, and then nothing happened. Our lives got worse. We voted for Barack Obama twice, and then everybody went to the beach, and our lives got worse. And I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton because he put my my uh, brother in prison for 20 years with the crime bill. I'm not going to vote for him because of, uh, of NAFTA. I lost my job. And that was that. And they thought they—and so you know that Hillary Clinton's whole strategy, she knew that she was repulsive. The Democrats knew the jig was up with their neoliberalism, that it wasn't selling. And the way they were going to get reelected was they cheat Bernie Sanders in the primary, which they did, and then uh, they pick a a Republican candidate who they thought was unacceptable to the general electorate, which so was which was Donald because, Trump. Yeah. And if you heard about this thing, it's called the Pied Piper Theory. Again, Julian Assange revealed that. What is it? The Pied Piper Theory was Hillary Clinton and the Bill Clintons have their minions in the press, right, because of the Clinton Foundation, who have worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And so they have a lot of power, a lot of influence. She was the Secretary of State, Barack Obama. People get access. You have to be friends with them. They owe, so a lot of people owe the Clintons favors in the press and do their bidding. So they asked all their people in the press, push Donald Trump. When you cover the Republican primary, cover him the most. Prop him up. That's who we want to run against. we got an easy win. And we'll get an easy win. It's like in school elections. If a woman's running against a man or a boy's running against a girl, they're like, 
get another girl to run and the boy wins. Yeah. Or get another boy to win, run yeah. and the girl wins. So they were trying to do that. So instead of running on policy, they tried to find someone who was repulsive to the electorate, more repulsive than Hillary Clinton, right. and they fucked up. And they said everyone who votes for Trump, you're only doing it because you're racist. And then they ran that or story. Sexist. Right. And so then it's like, I don't want to be that. So the idea was then you won't vote for him. But some people are like, well, wait, can it be for another reason? Can yeah. it be because he hates politicians as much as I do? But they had already called Bernie or Sanders I don't want to be a, a sexist. War? They'd already called Bernie Sanders a sexist, and that this, so it didn't work, right? So, well, if Bernie's a sexist and Trump is a sexist, then maybe being a sexist isn't so bad. And by the way, everybody knows Bill Clinton's a freaking rapist, right? right? So that that's that that's why that didn't work. You're trying to run as a better person. Nobody gives a fuck who's a better person. You're all corrupt. What's your policy? What's your po- How are you going to make my life better? So I was listening to this thing about PG&E and the, for, and the forest fires, the, mm-hmm. the wildfires we're having now. And PG, it's all PG&E, um, the, the energy companies, not doing the, the work on the power lines. The, they blow over and start forest fires over and over again. And it's a privately run company. And so – That was bailed out by the people. Yeah. 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 And so they had uh, – I think it was either a tax or just diverted funds, $80 million into uh, redoing all the safety measures on the stuff. And the – the shareholders voted instead we should shift that money to shareholder profits. Of course. Because they're not concerned with safety. They're concerned with their profits. They invested. And they're like, well, we got to protect their investments. And this guy who was talking about it was like, look, I'm done trying to say that shouldn't be the system because that system's not going to change. So what we got to do is instead of fining them and they're never going to pay the fines, that's fucking – that's la-la land. The system. Let's just change – but he's like, we're not going to. So the system is they'll do whatever the fuck they want. So we got to work in that system. And there's two ways of thinking about this with politics where it's like it's not going to change. Nancy Pelosi is an old fucking politician and she's dealing with other old politicians. You either deal with them or you just complain about how they're not doing what we want. So is there any part of you that says, all right, fuck it. They're not changing. Who do we have to pay? So what's happening now around the world is that people are realizing they're not changing and that there is no – uh, that the establishment politics isn't offering them a solution or an alternative. Not not just in America. Uh, uh, Trump uh, had an economist on, I'll blanking on his name, but he said, you know, Trump was not a local event. Right. So when Brexit yeah. happened, same thing. Oh, it's racism, right? right? Uh-huh. Oh, really? It wasn't about the despair of the working class that has uh, that has been visited. And how they lied them? to him and said they could give us all of health care, all this right. money to health care, and like and the, and and they got nothing, and their jobs went away to again because of the euro, because of the eurozone, they got cheaper labor. Now there's no borders. Now cheaper, labor. and so they got fu- who got rich again? The capitalists. And they just said it's racism. Yeah, then they go to – exactly. And then they bomb Libya and they bomb Iran and they – I mean they bomb Iraq and then they get millions of refugees that come to their countries and they blame the fucking refugees instead of the neoliberal bombing campaign. Right. And so, I mean, you see that happen in Germany. You see that happen in England and France. And so what they did in France is they were like, well, fuck you. We're putting on a yellow vest and we're shutting shit down. And by goddamn, that works. And that's – and I tell people, even if Bernie Sanders gets elected, you're not getting health care because the majority of the Democratic Party in Congress are conservatives. There are more – so when Nancy Pelosi got control of the House again, she moved to the right 
on her policies, not to the left, because there's more conservatives in the Democratic Congress than there are progressives, and they demanded they had demands, and she had to give in or else they weren't going to vote for her, and we would have got somebody even, like they say, even more conservative. So that's why the, lib, the progressives voted for Nancy Pelosi as their leader, speaker, and that's why the conservatives did the conservatives, because she fucking gave them concessions. She didn't give concessions to the left. She gave, so if Bernie Sanders becomes president, what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer will do will then get together with the Republicans to thwart him. Wow. So what we need is people, Bernie, to lead us to get in the streets to shut shit down because nothing's going to happen until we do. I heard uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, so my th- my big my big issues that I I don't that I vote on or I don't vote, but I could, that I would that I care about is less war. I just see deaths all over the world I'm with you caused by us, and they keep saying like this humanitarian reason we got to go in there, and I'm like, but okay, even though that's true. We've been proven to be the people who should not go in there. And my, my analogy is like if there's dirty dishes, somebody's got to wash the dishes. And you send a six-year-old in there and he smashes half the dishes. And the next time there's dishes, like, well, send the six-year-old. Like, no, no, it's going to be worse for yeah, the but dishes. they're dirty. Yeah, but we gotta, somebody's <laughs> got to wash them. Like, okay, anyone else but him. Right. He's been proven. So less war. And then I want a government but that the, represents the, the people. And the, what, the chief thing that's stopping that is these corporations buying out the government. So less money in politics. And those are my two major issues. You sound like a progressive. And so when I saw Hillary Clinton and I came off the fucking – I had hope for for Obama and then we went to more and more countries Uh. of war. And I'm like, well, who is giving me something, less war and money out of politics? So who are those people? So right now there's – well, Bernie Sanders is for getting money out of politics. That's his big thing. Uh, He could be much stronger on the anti-war thing. Uh, he's not. That's why I'm more right now, and I'm supporting Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbard, because she speaks much clear, much more clearly on foreign policy, and she also doesn't take corporate money. She's weird because she speaks on public, on uh, foreign policy, and she's like, like if I said it, if I was running, and I'd be like, hey, we got to leave war with mm-hmm. Venezuela. They're like, well, you're a fucking coward. You would never serve. So yeah. of course you say that because you're not. You're you're a traitor to our people. At, but her, she's like, no, no, I'm, I serve too. I'm, in, I'm serving right <laughs> yeah, now. What are you, how are you telling me that? I'm serving in the illegal wars that you motherfuckers concocted right now. Yeah, I'm so paying the price. Even, even her paying the price for Hillary Clinton's warmongering, Hillary will still smear her. A current serving uh, military person, which is exactly what Trump did to that Gold Star family. You remember that? When he was, the Gold Star family came out, out against him during the convention uh, yeah. before he was elected. And everybody's like, oh, you can't say Because their kid that. died or something? Yes, that's yeah. called a Gold star family and he came out and he said fuck those people or whatever and basically and they were like oh my god trump they're clutching their pearls and then as soon as it serves them to smear a fucking military person they do it to tulsi gabbard as soon as it serves their interest they do it so that's what people see through and that's what i see through and so i'm so for tulsi gabbard because of that but people go well uh you know bernie is running why is tulsi gabbard running because she has a clearer vision on foreign policy that's why much bernie will often repeat cia talking points when it comes to foreign policy, which is a mistake. Like, like for instance, uh, uh, Maduro's a dictator and he's, uh, uh, and he's oppressing his own people. Well, so now if you accept that framing, which is bullshit, that's it's from the all CIA. Based on jumping off the one fact right. that is not a fact. That's not a fact. So that, go back to your dishes story. So that's them saying, well, the, the dishes are dirty. Maduro's a dictator. Then there's a, the dishes are actually stacked neatly. 
Oh, my God. And then you're still sending a six-year-old in there to bust them up. Oh, my God. So that's where we're starting. The dishes aren't dirty. Are there problems in Venezuela? Yes, there are problems in Venezuela. Most of them caused by the capitalists in the United States that wants to strangle their economy to make things so bad that people overthrow Maduro so they can come in with their capitalism and extract, extract it like they're doing in Chile. In Chile is how you're supposed to say it. So in Chile right now, after 30 years of that neoliberalism, they finally said, fuck it. They put on their yellow vest. They're not wearing yellow vests, but they got in the street. Millions of people are in the street shutting capitalism down in Chile. And guess what the State Department said? What? Russia is doing that. Wow. <laughs> it can't just be the people themselves going like, we people, want you out of here. That's right. So anywhere, so when the United States intervenes in South America or Latin or Central America, it's at the behest of capitalists who are trying to steal neo uh, uh, resources natural and who are resources. trying to get kentucky fried chicken in there that's right or well if you look Exxon. at if you read but this isn't new if you read um chomsky no no if you read the uh war is a racket by smedley budler who was the most decorated marine general when he left the uh the marines he wrote a book called war is a racket and he talks about how every time i've been sent to south america it's at the behest of a corporation trying to steal somebody's natural resources damn and he says, war is a racket, meaning that... They're using those the, people. He goes, the real... What is a racket? The racket is a real purpose of whatever is being done is only known by a few people. And that's what he's talking... And, and it's no different. It's no it, fucking it'd different. It'd be like if I made a whole fundraiser and, and invited all these people to pay $500 meals just so Ken Griffey Jr. would be there and I could meet him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't give a shit about the fundraiser yeah. or the funds, but I, man, I want to meet Ken Griffey. So Venezuela has a certain kind of crude oil that's very heavy. Yeah. And so they, they that um, the Koch brothers built a plant in uh, was it Texas or Louisiana just to just to process that kind of just that process that kind of oil. Coca Cola. No, no, the Koch brothers, the Koch brothers. Oh, K O C H. Yes. Okay. So uh, uh, Chavez. Uh, decided I'm going to fucking charge way more for this because I know I got him over a barrel. Ha ha. The, so he does, and the Koch brothers are like, this motherfucker. We got to teach this motherfucker a lesson. So that's why they, over, they it had a coup in 2002 on him in the first place. I think it was 2002. So that's why it happened in the first, but that it didn't go through the military. They funded a coup. Like, let's yes, get let's get in the State them. Department. Because the State Department and the CIA, they work at the behest of American corporations. Wow. So that's because what this is about. Money from them so they've been trying, and they've been straight tra- to their pocket. I've got a video where Christine Amanpour is interviewing Assad in 2006, yeah. saying everybody's talking about overthrowing you, regime change. That was in 2006. What? So they've been again. They've been wanting to do this. So once you look into it even a little, you realize this is war is a racket. All wars are bullshit. In my lifetime, every war we fought has been a lie. From Vietnam to the first Gulf War to Grenada to the second Gulf War to Libya to Syria. Cuba. Oh, Cuba's before you. Um, well, we didn't we didn't go into Cuba, right. right? But we do have a torture facility there. Why doesn't someone you know invade us and free those people? <laughs> so. It gets, and you know, once you see behind the the, the curtain, it's just you know it, you can't believe what it is, and then you'll see it everywhere. Then you'll see it a lot. You'll see it everywhere and a lot. Because then you have to question every every. Sto- so whenever I hear a story, even if it's not a news story, even if it's from like a friend of mine who's like, "Can you believe I was in a bar and some guy just started yelling at me?" And you're like, uh-huh. "Whoa!" And then you're like, "Oh no, wait! I've been fooled before. Yeah. You're leaving out a detail." Yes, you're for sure leaving out detail because if if generally people aren't completely insane. So it's like I'm just missing a fact or a detail or two to make this sane. 
I stepped on his leg and I like, okay, oh, there you go. Now I see a little more of why the guy yelled at you. So what the Pentagon Papers revealed. That's those General Wesley Clark? No, Pentagon Papers were in the uh, 70s. That was uh, Daniel Ellsberg who Heard revealed the Pentagon Papers. That was the, what that movie, the, the Post, was about with, okay. the, uh, with Tom Hanks and um, forget the Meryl Streep. And she played the, she was the publisher of the Washington Post. Oh, yeah. And they made her the, the hero instead of Daniel Ellsberg, who was the guy who actually got the documents from the Rand Corporation and released them to the newspapers. And um, so what those papers revealed was that it wasn't just the Nixon administration that was lying about Watergate, I mean, uh, about Vietnam. It wasn't the Johnson administration. It wasn't the Kennedy. It was four different administrations, Republican and Democrat, lying about what was happening in Vietnam. That's what the Pentagon Papers revealed. So war uh, as a racket is bipartisan, and that's why when somebody like Tulsi stands up and says something, they got to squash her, even if she's at 2% in the polls, or if a guy is in his garage in fucking Pasadena, they got to squash that guy right away. Are other politicians listening to what Tulsi Gabbard says, and are, they, are any of them risking their jobs to be like, I agree with you. I think we should get out of there. I, I hear what you're saying as a fucking military person or as just someone who has the information here. And I'm like, yeah, actually, you've swayed me too. She introduced a bill called uh, Stop Arming Terrorists Now. And the reason why is because we're arming terrorists. And uh didn't pass. Didn't pass. <laughs> it didn't pass. It was called Stop Arming, arming terrorists, terrorists Now. I'd be like, nah. And the reason why is because the CIA funds terrorists all over the world, especially in Syria and Libya, at the behest of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is the one who funded uh, Wahhabism, right? And and why? So why are we in bed with Saudi Arabia? Yeah, why is that? Instead, like, they are our allies. We have to do what they say. But like, right? why is that? So why is that? Yeah. And why, why is – remember when they passed that law about two years ago that the 9-11 victims could sue Saudi Arabia? Barack Obama flew to Saudi Arabia to fucking calm shit down. Yeah, yeah, that happened, right? And so why? Why? Well, when, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, he then put us on the petrodollar. So the petrodollar was What's the gold standard? So our means... currency would be backed up with gold, but now it's not going to be. We're going to print more money than we have gold to back it up. Okay. And, and so what's going to prop up our currency now? Our prop up our currency is going to be propped up by the petrodollar. And how are we going to do that? So we make a deal with Saudi Arabia that whenever someone buys oil from them, they have to first convert whatever their currency is into U.S. dollars. Then they take those U.S. dollars, give it to Saudi Arabia in exchange for oil. Saudi Arabia takes a lot of that those U.S. dollars, puts them back into the United States economy by buying T-bonds, right? Treasury, by buying what? Treasuries, U.S. treasuries, right? Okay. So they own a lot of our debt, treasury, stuff like that. So that's called the petrodollar. And the, why do they do that? Because then we give them the use of our military. And so that's why we, we're in Yemen right now helping commit a genocide. Why? Because I, I've, and I've heard because, that too, but I don't know why. Because What's... Saudi Arabia is fighting a war. They want to overthrow Yemen. Why? Uh, it's for pro- war, uh, oil proxy war against Iran also. So it's Shia, 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 Sunni, all that shit. And it's a proxy war. And a lot of people said that uh, what Saudi Arabia is doing is testing the United States to see how far we'll go. Right, how far we will kind of like Kiev was like the it was like a tester to be like if we invade the Ukraine, Russia, like let's see what America <laughs> let's does see what America here. does. So they know they got us. And by the way, I have a videotape which I play on my show of John Kerry in front of congressional testimony admitting that Saudi Arabia has offered to pay for our invasion of Syria. The whole thing, he says, Whoa. as they've done in the past. He said it like that, as they've done in the past. We can count on these guys. We, yeah. 
Whoa. But, mm-hmm. He didn't say Saudi. He said our, our Arab friends. Well, who the fuck is that? Yeah. So they're the ones with the money. It certainly isn't Iran. Lebanon's not going to fucking Iran's pay for not our, right. Yeah. Lebanon. They're not our Arab friends. Right. So this also has so, and then Syria also has to do with uh, Israel. So that's and but that never you never you turn on the news. You never, it's all about so he he gasses people, and we got to do something about it. So Bernie will repeat that CIA talking point, which is a mistake. Tulsi doesn't do that. Right. And that's what I won't do either. And so and by the way, when the convention happens, if Tulsi doesn't have enough uh, delegates to become the nominee, she can always give her delegates to Bernie. It, so, which is what happens at conventions, they right? They say, here, you take my... Yeah, she said, I'm going to endorse Bernie. So now her delegates will be, have the green light to go and endorse Bernie themselves or vote for him in the second round. Right. Or in the first round at the convention. So that's some... Because some, some people would say, well, why is she running? Bernie's already running. Well, Bernie could die. Bernie also might not win. She Bernie might win. not win. Have and two he might, people with a chance to say something progressive. And she's got a message that he doesn't have. I know and, she talks about the infrastructure, which I, I'll just sum up as roads. You know, and schools, you know, because uh, that's another word. That just and where's the infrastructure me. Trump promised? A trillion dollars in infrastructure didn't happen. So that's why him, that's Trump running as a populist. He said, everybody's going to have health care. And he's like, I'll, I'll talk to the hospitals. I'll get it to, remember he said that in yeah. a 60 Minutes interview. He didn't do that. In fact, he, less people have health care now and it's more expensive than, so he, that was populism, but he wasn't sincere about it. One thing he huh. seems semi-sincere about was ending their foreign entanglement. Yeah, he really did seem strong on like, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to go to war with Syria. And so he didn't. And that's exactly so. But the it theory seems like it's is, worse than ever if seventy billion more dollars went <laughs> right. So they're so they're going to get him. And Trump, um, he has ramped up the drone warfare. So did Barack Obama, but he's ramped it up more than Barack Obama. Really? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's so funny. Barack Obama got a peace prize, and he dropped 27,000 bombs in the Middle East in one year. Wow. The Air Force literally ran out of bombs. Did you know that? You can Google that. It'll come up. The Air Force runs out of bombs. That's how much Barack Obama. I was like, wow, the guy's got a peace prize and a drone kill list. Jesus, runs out of bombs. That's like fucking running out of Budweiser and Burt Kreischer plays your club. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we didn't expect all this. What? So that's what that's the world we're living in. You and know, so uh, Tulsi Gabbard comes in and says, "Like, hey, I don't want to do any of that. I want out right, of all that." Right. And people are like, "Fuck, shut up." Yes, shut up. Oh, she's a Russian. Paid. She's a Russian. She's an Assad apologist. She's just, you know, they go, why is she toady, an Assad apologist? Right? That's, that's what a lady said. She's a toady. She's a toady. <laughs> like, what does toady yeah. mean? She's like, I don't know. Yeah, she didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. And so those are called <laughs> received opinions. So that woman, Barry Weiss, who's an, a writer for the New York Times, a celebrated writer, didn't even know what the word meant that she was calling uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard because that's an opinion someone gave to her. I will say those things aren't as devious sometimes as we think they are because, again, innocuous – uh, um, example if everybody tells me some comic is really good mm-hmm. and then somebody else asks me how's that comic I'm like they're good but I don't go everyone says they're good I just internalize it or vice versa if somebody says they're a hack yeah. eventually I'm like oh, that guy sucks and I'm like what's the sucky joke I'm like I actually don't know wow yeah, that's what that, saying that so it might not but, be devious but it you're not you're like, also you're also not given the op-ed page of the New York Times true that's a good point that's a very good point <laughs> that's a lot of power that's a good point and that's a lot of responsibility if it was a film critic, I should watch movies for myself right and if you repeated a criticism of a film and you were Roger Ebert or whoever the big guy is now. You didn't even watch it? You didn't wa- oh, I didn't watch it. What does that mean, that criticism? I don't even know. But you repeated it? 
So that you wouldn't do that if you were. So that's. But she would. Why? Because she's shitty. And that's who the kind of people the New York Times hire. People, doesn't matter if Barry Weiss is a horrible fucking journalist and doesn't know her asshole from a hole in the ground. She's willing to repeat the establishment propaganda word for fucking word. And that's why she'll always have a job. Is part of this um, the reason that the media, the news has gone so far downhill? Is I'm just going to present a theory. Because Metzger has a theory about all the blog sites like like Deadspin and, and fucking Vulture and places like that. They're all owned by the same people. Okay, but he said they all started going out of business, so they hired half-price writers mm-hmm. because they have to save money. And half-price writers put out half-price work. And then it gets a little worse, less people watch, and they're like, oh, well, get quarter-price writers. As the New York Times and Washington Post stop selling ad space and actual full newspapers because no one's – buying that they have less money so they can only afford a shittier level of writer and that shittier level of writer puts out shittier work and that's just the bottom line you know it's almost not devious it's just like well fuck they suck because that's all we can afford there actually is a culture you know there i i I don't know about i don't know about if their new york Times sucks because of their pay scale they they out out and out don't want you to give an anti-establishment narrative they (sighs) they got rid of chris hedges so Chris Hedges was a Pulitzer Prize-winning war reporter. So he went around and he saw the wars, and uh, he knew that Iraq was bullshit, and so he would say so. And they gave him the talk, hey, you better stop saying that, and if you don't stop saying that, you're not going to be able to work here anymore. So are you going to stop saying that? And he said, I'm not going to stop saying that. And that meant that he was no longer going to be able to work at the fucking New York Times anymore and probably anywhere else. Wow. And that's exactly what happened. Where has Chris Hedges been working? I mean, he works for RT now, and he writes books that are fantastic. And he writes for Truth Dig, right? And so and those are all marginalized. Those are like, all marginalized places, exactly, right? So they've effectively marginalized his voice. That's a, that's what they do. Look what they did to fucking Ralph Nader. Why, why don't you see Ralph Nader on fucking MSNBC ever? Why don't you ever? For, isn't it funny that the people who hate Ralph Nader because they blame Ralph Nader for giving us George Bush are the same people who now love George Bush? They love George Bush. They still hate Ralph Nader. Huh. What does that fucking tell you? That tells you that their hate for Ralph Nader was always bullshit and that they, they, it's a one-party rule. People, you know, uh, uh, again, George Bush is the perfect example of that. And they want to get rid of uh, him, uh, you know, Trump over a call to the Ukraine and that motherfucker walks the earth. I mean, that just goes to show you half the country's not going to go along with that, folks, no matter what you yeah. think. In terms of this progressive thing being like a third party, or un, un, almost unlinked to the party system, you know. Um, somebody showed like the, when the kids were putting putting put in cages, you know, and they showed a, a picture of of these kids being separated and put in cages. And Dave Smith, my friend, was like this libertarian. He was like, "Look at the t- there's a timestamp on there, and it is before Trump took office." There's another video I saw a, a newspaper article that said this was like in November of 2016 or early December, and it was the Keystone Pipeline, and they were they were water hosing these Native Americans, and they said, look what trumps America. I'm no. like, it's not even his country yet. It's That's still Bar- the other guy's country. That's Barack Obama did that. Barack Obama said, we're going to let it play out. So I do a thing in my act about this. I say, uh, boy, people got upset at, at Trump when he banned the Muslims at the airports. And everybody got in their Uber, and they went to the airports and protested. And nobody ever asked themselves, why are there all these Muslims at the airports? Uh-huh. Uh, maybe because Barack Obama spent eight years bombing the fucking shit out of them. Right. Uh, what does it take for you to be upset at Barack Obama? Does he have to bomb Muslims at the airport for you right. to get upset? Yeah. And then it was uh, amazing how you can't give any sort of context. I'm, uh, There's no context. Like, I'm ninety percent for this guy, but I don't like this ten percent. Like, how dare you not like the ten percent? 
It's an all or nothing and then mentality. And the cage, the cage example is they go, oh, my God, Trump's putting people in cages. Then we find out Barack Obama built those cages. Right. Then you find out Trump is gassing immigrants at the border. People are... Gassing. And then, yeah, using tear gas. And then you find out that Barack Obama also used tear gas on immigrants at the border. And I guess they should be honored that they were gassed by the lesser of two evils. So now what you should do when you find that out, if you're a normal person, is go, oh, I didn't know that. I am now... I was mad at Trump for this. I'm now... Still mad at Trump and also mad at Obama or yes. also mad at our government that allows this. But instead they go, oh, well, well, then I guess I can't be mad at either one and because no, I've already decided I like this. No, you, or I'll what, stay mad at the one. What you should do is be, realize that if we get – don't be tricked into being distracted with your hatred for Trump. Right. That to think that if we just get rid of Trump, everything will go back to normal because normal, normal is what gave us Trump. Normal is what made people desperate enough to vote for a game show host with no political experience because he was telling them the things nobody else had the balls to tell them. That's why people voted for, for Donald Trump. They, they won't ever think, but they got to say it's racism, it's sexism, and it's Russia. What it really was is that people were fucking desperate. He gave him a health care plan. You know... <laughs> If you're a poor person, I, I, there was a guy I know, I don't know, I read an article by a guy who was a physician in Texas, in rural Texas, and he says, when they passed Obamacare, these poor people didn't come to see me any more often because they couldn't afford their fucking deductible. They couldn't afford their deductible. They got a $5,000 deductible because they got the shittiest plan you can get, $5,000 right. deductible. Like, well, now they got a pain in their jaw. They're not going to go to the doctor and spend $5,000 for an MRI so they can fucking see. They're going to wait till the cancer spread to their fucking spine. Yeah. And then, and so that's, wow. and he goes, so Barack Obama's health care did not help poor people. I, Brent Weinbach said this, and he goes, I couldn't afford insurance before Obamacare. I still can't afford insurance now. They just fined me $500 a year. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. He goes, that didn't help me. And I know that's just one guy, but for right. the one guy, this system failed him. And people say that, well, Barack Obama, that was the best he could get because the Republican Congress opposed him. That is not true. Barack Obama had complete control of government. They had a filibuster-proof Senate for at least a couple of months. What do you think the Republicans would do if they have a filibuster-proof Senate? They ram every fucking thing down yeah. there that they can. They get their Supreme Court people in there. They get their tax uh-huh. cut in there. They get their military budget in there. They get their bank bill. They get fucking everything in in those few months. And the, and the Democrats go, well, I can't. Well, isn't it, you know, Hunter S. Thompson said the problem with voting for a lesser of two evil in a two-party system is they can set it up like that. And so that's the problem with Hong Kong. So like, we'll ex- give you the two, two, two um, yeah. candidates. Like, no, no, we want our own candidates. That's right. Or it's not democracy. That's not the right. And be, we're all like, yeah, let's support Hong Kong. I'm like, look here. <laughs> the same shit here. Yep. But like, they ask me why I don't vote. I'm like, because I don't want either one of those people leading me. I'm not choosing between two shitty girlfriends. That's exactly right. I'll just be single. And so a guy like Bernie Sanders comes along, and they all got to go, he's crazy. That could never work. Get money out of politics. Give people health care. Send people to college like every other fucking country does. At least try. Does. We're failing now. Try it. Let so it fail I say, that way. I say uh, we got to get rid of it. So the problem, so, yeah, with, what? The problem with Bernie Sanders is he's trying to run a, a revolutionary – he's trying to have a revolution inside of a counter-revolutionary party. So in 2016, when a lot of progressives who were never into politics before got attracted to it because of Bernie's message and they, flo- they flocked to the, the, the primaries so they could vote for him, the Democratic primaries, they had to register as a Democrat, right? And then right. – And if they didn't, then you're like, well, you can't be part of this. Yes, 
You can't then just they, run. Then you can't just vote for Bernie. You have to wait for the general election, and they're going to cheat him, so you're never going to get that chance. Mm-hmm. So you've got to join the Democratic Party in order to vote for him. So he, they've joined the Democratic Party to vote for him, and then they cheat him. He doesn't call out the cheating, and he tells all those people who just joined because of him to support the problem which is Hillary Clinton, which demoralizes those fucking people, and he never stood up for them again, right? So when we went to the convention, his delegates, they took their credentials away. They wouldn't let them into the thing. They put the lights out on them when they were chanting. They took sound cannons on them. They fucked over Bernie's uh, delegates at the convention, and he didn't stand up for them. Yes, this all happened. I was there. They did what? They did all this stuff. The, the DNC. What do you mean they did sound cannons? What does that so mean? So they had sound cannons. So when what we were chanting cannon? inside the convention, you know, conventions are raucous, right? You're trying to get, you're fighting. And so they didn't want to hear from the progressives. They wanted unity. They didn't want the cameras to pick up anybody being upset with Hillary Clinton as their nominee or the party in general. And so the people who were upset with the party in general and being cheated and upset, they turned the lights out on them literally in the hall. They took, uh, they put sound cannons on to drown them out inside Whoa, the hall. Oh, what? And they took a lot of their credentials away, which they wouldn't let them come in the, to the convention. Wow. So all this shit happened. So now Bernie has gotten all these people who are progressives, who are, uh, want a revolution. Now he tells them, vote for the thing. Yeah, that's why I know they've said they said, you can't do that. said he took too long to tell him to vote for her. But it's like, yeah, but he hated her. You can't do that. But if, and it didn't work. And it took Obama forever, too, by the way, because he also hated her when he ran against her. So uh, that, 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 that's so, – so those people so – now he's doing it again. He's trying to run a – have a revolution inside, inside of a corrupt. revolutionary – a counter-revolutionary party. So now a bunch of people – so what happens again? What if, so what if you don't make it? Now you have all these people inside of a party that's fucking them over. Instead of setting up an organization that could – so my whole thing was if you had a third party. So you can't get malware. You need a new computer sometimes. Yes. It's just too so, corrupt. So the, the Democratic Party are going to keep cheating you and screwing you over. And so what, what, what we need is, an, is something that can in, have influence over the Democratic Party or an alternative. So like if the Green Party was, was polling at, say, 10 percent, which they could if, say, Bernie was running as a Green, yeah. uh, right? Uh, they would have to listen to them. Now, now what, what happened last time is when Bernie dropped out of the primary he, and, and, and backed Hillary. Hillary didn't pick him as her VP or another progressive. She picked a guy to her right, Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine was to the right of Hillary Clinton. Think about that. Oh. And so now they can't do that anymore. If you have a party that's polling at 10% and you're to the left of the Democrats, well, now they know they can't win a general election if they don't have those 10% of people. See, in a parliament system which I really like. They have that in Israel. Right. I don't understand the one in England, but it's, I think it's the same thing. They're like, hey, if we have 10 people in here and I want to pass uh, some bill about new mics, you know, and four of us like, yeah, we definitely need new mics. And the other six like, I don't care one way or the other, but I'll tell you what, if you get me a new fucking monitor over there, I'll support your mic thing. And like, all right, is it worth it? You know? And it's like, I don't see the monitor can cost me anything. Or now I'm going to have to do slave labor to get that monitor. I can't do that. I'll find another way. And so you have to give concessions to people. Yes. Which is good and bad, so I guess. The solu- I but the solution in, in the United States, uh, barring a third party, barring a strong third party, but this is also how we could get a strong third party. It'll take time. Is if we instituted a thing which they've instituted in Maine called ranked choice voting. And so three points for one, two points for two, yes. one point for third. So what that means is you get to vote your conscience. So like, let's say if it was Trump, Hillary, uh, Jill Stein 
and uh, Gary uh, Johnson, right? So you have four people. But and let's say you're um, you want to oh, vote wow. you want to vote for Jill Stein because she represents your vision and you hate Hillary, but you also hate Trump more. So you hate Trump more than you hate Hillary, so and you're Stein. So you have to vote. Four. So you have to. So in our system now, you have to vote for Hillary, and you can't vote for Jill Stein. In the ranked choice voting, you can vote Jill Stein number one. You rank her as your first vote, and then Hillary Clinton as your second vote, and then Gary Johnson as your third, and Trump as your fourth. And so what does that do? So what they do is they take all the votes, and if somebody has fifty-one percent of the votes, they win. But if you have nobody has 51% yet, so you take, let's say, the lowest person, let's say the lowest person was Jill Stein. So you take all her votes that she got, and whoever voted for her, their second choice, you then give their votes to their second because choice. Because she's out. You eliminated her. So you would think her, most of the people who voted for her, their second choice would probably be Hillary Clinton. So she'd get that anyway. Wow. But what we would see is how many people really in their heart want to vote for Jill Stein. Was it 15%? Was it 20%? Was it 10%? So that's how... So that, and that they couldn't be like, I can't vote for it because I'm wasting my vote. And it's that like, would, nah, you should be able to vote for who you want. And that would, if we had ranked choice voting, that would expose the rot inside the Democratic Party a lot quicker, which is why the Democrats are against ranked choice voting. And that would get, because they love to shame you. You can't vote third party, you're a Russian. You can't vote third party, you're helping Trump. You, that's their control. So if we had ranked choice voting, it takes away that control. Wow, that's a good that's a good system to do that. And they're doing it in Maine, and the and the Democrats in Maine took it to the Supreme Court several Saying times no. to get to try to to try to overturn it. They didn't overturn it, so it's now the law, and it's working in Maine. Wow, interesting, interesting. And the Democrats and the Republicans don't want it. By the way, it's not just the Democrats. The Democrats and the Republicans don't want ranked choice voting. You know who does? The people. Yeah, because they're like we can actually be heard. Yes. You know what they did in South Korea with their corrupt leader? Boy, a few years ago. As she was elected president and then she started taking advice from a spiritual leader and he was corrupt. And so she started diverting funds into like this church or whatever. They protested for like a thousand straight days, rain or shine, until they were like, you got to get out of here. The people had power for once. Yes. Well, we have the power to shut capitalism down. That's when you, you, you know, when there's ever a protest that shuts down traffic, people are always like, I get it. I'm sympathetic, but I'm going to be late for work and now I hate you. Well, that's how protests work. If your boss gets upset that you're late for work and your friend's boss gets upset and, and enough capitalists get upset, they're going to tell their fucking city councilman or their congressman, you better fucking do something because my business is being fucked up by these protests. And they either send cops out to crack their heads, which makes the protests bigger, or they actually implement some of the reforms but so that's we'll what listen to you we hear you so you can't if you're going to do a protest you can't do it in a way that's convenient for traffic if you do a protest you can't do it in your apartment because that's not a protest that's a fucking party you got to get out and shut shit down and inconvenience capitalism that's how you get stuff done that's that's i mean that's um what's it called that, that pixies movie not the pixies movie, but the one they use that song in fight club yeah where he's like yeah let's just blow up all the fucking credit card <laughs> buildings you know let's make a change what do you know about extinction rebellion so um i I don't know much i just interviewed one of the founders of extinction rebellion on my show and they're 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 shutting stuff down they are around the world Mm -hmm. and it's coming to america now so i'm looking forward to it and i love i love their tactics they're nonviolent. 
Nonviolent, but it's like we're getting in the way. You're but they will do. They'll, they'll bring it a like a giant sailboat and put it in the middle of like Sunset and Highland. Yeah. And they'll just like sit it there, like the, the equivalent. They've done that in, in in England already. So I'm off. Or they'll spray Parliament with fake blood. They've done that shit. Like I, I just love yeah, that. Get kind in of there stuff. naked and just be like get chant, naked chant until you like force us out of here. Yes, yes. So it's raising awareness about what's happening, and that's what good protests do. And, and their theory is like I think the extinction means for the. You know, uh, environment like we're all dead in forty years, and we're in a, we're in the, in the middle so of another like, mass get, extinction. Yeah, let's get let's fuck fuck your fucking get late yes. to work. That, none of that matters. I know. Yeah, and it's like it's like oh, you could go to work. That's like putting a, de- a bandaid on a dead body. It's like we got to fucking we got to do something. We got to have some open heart surgery here. We can't keep putting yeah. band aids on it. And it's really happening. You know, uh, like climate change is a real thing, and it's you know, I know people who are who I respect, who are skeptical of climate change, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So I don't denigrate people who are skeptical of it in a sense. But what I say to those people is that, you know, when the oil companies had their own secret research, their own secret research showed that the oil companies were the ones causing climate change. And so that's why I'm, I kind of, and I'm not a climate scientist. So what I say to people is that climate scientists have already had this debate Right? right, and it's just like evolution. I don't debate evolution with people because evolutionary biologists have already had this debate. Evolution's a thing, and also we don't really know. Right, so it's like like flat earthers. I'm like, I actually can't prove you wrong. <laughs> well, I get in a plane, I can see the world's right. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I don't know. I just think you're wrong, but I, I can't tell you why. You I'm can, not that smart. There are empirical evidence to show that the, <laughs> the, the, the Earth is actually a globe. Yeah, yeah, it's a sphere. So, what else do progressives believe, or or is like is it a kind of a party, or is it just a way of thinking? I think it's just a way of thinking. It's certainly not a party. There's no progressive party. Right. And the progressives are certainly a minority in the Democratic Party as far as, I mean, the, it's the, the politicians. I heard Tulsi Gabbard come on Rogan and said this thing that fucking blew my mind. Forget the other stuff, the policy stuff. She goes, day one, I don't know if you heard this, day one when she was a new congressman, um, they sit everybody down. It's like, here's how you do everything. Here's how you, uh, per, you know, uh, say this bill should be in. Here's how you, how you filibuster, all the stuff that you have to know. And she goes, great. Now you, that's your orientation. Now Democrats go that way. Republicans go that way. Do not talk. Block each other whenever you can. Really? Yeah. And she goes, if there's a Republican bill, they tell us to block it, especially if they're in a contested seat, even if we agree with it. And then a year later, we'll just promote it ourselves and we'll get it passed. And they're same thing. If we have a bill that they like, let's get the sewage drained in this – they're like, block it because a bill passed is a win for them. And she goes – How's anything get done that way? And you wonder why you have a shutdown every year for the government. It's how about just work with that guy because he wants the same thing I do because we're all representing these people. And when you hear that, you're like, we are just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, the, the politicians don't respond to their voters. They respond to their donors. I guess so. And that's so. in both and, parties. And so it seems like there's this younger crew of people like her, like a lot of – I know a lot of them, Dan Crenshaw maybe. I don't really know enough about them, but there's like we're not doing that. We're not taking money. The two hundred grand a year I make at this job is enough. They're not taking. They're not taking corporate money. Yeah, yeah. And there, and there is like I think uh, four, four people maybe in all of Congress: Ro Khanna, Tulsi, Bernie. There's maybe two more. One's a Republican, I know for sure. That won't take corporate. That money. doesn't take corporate money because of the influence it'll have yes, on them. Yes, that's right. And. You know that if you want to know the influence, so somebody asked, no they, "Hey, how did Bar- how do you get how do you get paid four hundred thousand dollars?" 
for giving a half hour speech? How do you get paid four hundred thousand? How do the how do you work? How do you rig that? And you go well. First, you become president. Then you don't prosecute any of the securities fraud or banking malfeasance. And then when you leave, they'll give you four hundred thousand dollars to talk for a half hour. Wow, that's the exact answer. That's exactly. I mean, Barack Obama again. He pointed. Uh, oh, it was revealed in listen. Human nature. He in listen liberal. He told uh, it was revealed in that book that he told the bankers, "I'm the only one standing between you and the mob with port with pitchforks." Meaning, I'm going to be here to protect you. What? And he did. And uh, again, nobody got prosecuted. Not one banker got prosecuted. Not one. And the banks are bigger now, and they're doing it again, but they're just doing it secretly. And so I had Dylan Radigan explain it. And he said, uh, if you look at the world economy like a spinning top, and what they're doing is they're just putting, they're making the pin where it spins on a little fatter. They're putting more money down there to spread it out. And he goes, and he goes I go, but you know what happens when you make the tip fatter on a spinning top? It becomes wobbly. <laughs> so that's what's happening right now. And people are starting to be like, fuck this. And things are what? The internet's and, helping a lot. Callie Lassen, the guy who runs Adbusters, he's like, this thing you have in the palm of your hands. He's like, it just, it's an information tool that you can't hide shit anymore, which is why, a good thing, a lot of kids are eating healthier. Because when we were kids, it was your right. mom saying, you got to eat this. She's like, fuck off, you idiot. You don't Bowl know shit. sugar. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, I have this, I yeah. can see researchers mm-hmm. telling me that McDonald's sucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stay out of that. And that's that they say there's a third industrial revolution is coming. So industrial revolutions happen when you have a new energy source and a new communication source, right? So... um like when they had the steam engine and the telegraph, when they had telephones and oil, right? When they had yeah. cars. So they had new transportation, new power source, new communication. And that's happening right now again. And the new power source is going to be uh, – everyone's going to be able to generate their own solar power, right, and sell power back to the grid. So we're not going to need power companies anymore. And they'll just fight power, that. Just power distributors. They'll fight that as hard as they can. Right. So, but it's happening. It's coming. Like This is inevitable. And what's going to happen is they're going to, they call that there's going to be $100 trillion in trapped assets, meaning since it's cheaper to produce energy from solar and wind, no one's going to use oil anymore to, to produce that energy because it's more expensive. So no one, it'll just sit there. And so all the infrastructure built to refine oil and they get out of the oil, that's all, all trapped at, and all the oil trapped assets and so is there a, and so that's going to cause an economic fucking meltdown also so all these even, jobs are running these things that we don't need anymore so that's exactly what they're talking so like the housing bubble all that when that so this trillion hundred trillion dollars in money that's built into the oil infrastructure is also going to crash and bring us down I, until I, this new source becomes more viable i guess there's that middle no that's that's what's going to cause it to happen uh-huh. So it's like it's almost like a catch twenty two. We're fucked either way, but we got to fix climate change so we can maybe fix the economics. This is what I don't know. This stuff I'm just watching people who talk about it. The third industrial revolution. That's what they're talking about. I'd at least like the politicians to start talking about it. That's all. Yeah, and the new the new information, the new form of communication is that all information is now digitized, right? And it's spread immediately. And there's no there's no marginal cost. Like if I put up a video. If 10 people see it or 10 million, there's no more cost to me. But if 10 million people walk into my business, I own a bit. I got to hire people to hold the door. I got to buy a door. I got to get the carpeting. I got to put heat on. I have to have people greet the. So there's a lot of the more customers I have, the cost goes up. With the internet and the information, the more customers I have, same cost. Wow. So this, this is a big leap forward. This is the third industrial Even revolution is, is happening. So it's a new way of communicating, 
uh, with new energy. And uh, you know, Germany is they're they're going to be off off nuclear, right? They're going to be off fossil fuels. I, they're on like, by like twenty forty. They're, they're on. They're, they're, they're already thirty percent. They're already thirty percent there. Really? Mm-hmm. And it's like just commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of going, I don't know how we could well, do it. It's like, well, what steps are you taking? And it's there. We can do. We can produce energy now with solar and wind cheap. You ever see uh, Who Killed the Electric Car? Yeah. And it was like, it, we had an electric car. <laughs> we and had then the, it. Uh, car companies and the oil companies like, bury that thing. Yep. And then it went away for 30 years until finally it came back again. People, I go, can I buy the car from you? They no, we're crushing it. <laughs> but I want to buy it from you. No. Isn't that that? It was nuts. That was just raw. Such an obvious, like William Hurst trying to bury weed, you know, kind of that shit where it's like, uh, like what? I know. I know, right? Well, I run the communications. That's the best way to do it. It's all Game of Thrones. When you it look is. at Game of Thrones, you're like, this is such a clear, this makes me understand my politics so well. All right, a couple more questions. Okay, in this world that you've set up for yourself, because I knew you as a straight comedian when yeah, I met you. Right. Um, how do you stay happy? I mean, I fucked around in college with guys, but other than that. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. But, um, how do you stay happy when in, in any seem, anybody that seems woke to any sort of uh, any sort of ideas, you know, like this, like the media's lying to you, it, it seems like it just makes you angry at everything. Like, how do you keep a smile on your face? It, it's hard. You know, that's why I try to hang out with comics more because yeah. comics make me laugh about things. But uh, it's depressing. I have to limit it my exposure to things and because i i'll find that i'm you know i'm on three high blood pressure medicines right now really yeah so it's not good what i'm also going through that thing that everyone goes through uh like my show has become successful and now think you know all my dreams have come through comedically like i'm selling out theaters now wherever i go and it's awesome right and I don't have a boss. I don't have to worry about comedy club owners liking me. They have to worry about me liking them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such <laughs> yeah. a different world, right? Yet, uh, I pretty much feel exactly the same as I did my whole life. And I'm like, what the fuck? So no matter how much I work, no matter how much success, no matter how many tickets I sell, I still feel the same inside. I'm realizing that, right? And that's nerve-wracking because then it's like, well... There's nothing I can do to feel better. So now I've been doing this thing where I listen to Eckhart Tolle and I read his books and I'm trying to become present in the moment because I realized my whole life is spent worrying about the future or regretting the past. And that creates, creates anxiety and high blood pressure. And so if I could just be here right now, everything's okay right now, always in the moment. And so that's, that's a real challenge because your men, my mental conditioning is always to prepare for the future. Yeah. It's always about or getting ready for, well, you got to go to school. So you're ready for high school. You got to go to high school. So you get, get good grades. So you get into a good college. You got to get into a good master's program. Then you got to get a good job. You start at the bottom, but you got to keep going. And, and then finally, you know, it's that whole thing of like, what, what's the point? So my whole mental mm-hmm. conditioning, I know how to prepare for life. I don't know how to enjoy it once it gets here. Here I am. Now let's chill. You so know, I, get, I, I, I write these morning pages every day, three pages long, what? and it's just stream of consciousness. And every day I write down, it happened, it's here, now how am I going to enjoy it? Because if I don't remind myself to enjoy it, I won't. I'll just keep on this rat race treadmill of trying to get more, 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 because that's how my brain has been conditioned to prepare for the future. But once the, So what does Eckhart Tolle say? If you, if you aren't able to live... Uh, Fully in the present, making plans are worthless. 
Because once that shows up, you're not going to be able to st- say, It'll still be the present. You'll still be in the future. You're still making plans for the next thing. And that's no. how you know how it is. It's like, well, once I became a middle, uh, and then, oh, I got to become a headliner. And once I became a headliner, I got a headline for the improv. And once I headline for the improv, now I got to get a TV show. Now I got to get, once I get, it's never, you're always thinking the next that's thing. That's why I see the, the biggest comics, they have this similar thing that's happened to them where they start uh, getting buff. Start working out. Dane <laughs> Cook, Chappelle, even a carrot top with his eyebrow things. And it was like, I think they got to so big. We're like, I literally can't get bigger than the stadiums. And now it's like, oh, it's all in, in the inside. Fuck, what do I do? You know Jonah Ray's theory, um, uh, enjoy your burrito? No. So when he was at his worst depression, he'd be like, the only thing that fills me with happiness was one burrito he'd get in Silver Lake. And he would get it, you know, every day or whatever. Um and as he's eating, it's like this burrito is going to be done, and I'm going to back to fucking depression. And it was just like, just enjoy, enjoy the burrito. The, yeah, yeah, just take these. That's five it. Minutes. That's yeah. the key to life. That Jonah has stumbled onto the key to life. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito if you can be here. And, so there's this guy named Ram Das. He wrote a book uh-huh. called Duncan's "Be Here Now." Into him, yeah. And Duncan Trussell, yeah, he's uh, friends with him. And so I read his book. And be here now. Be here now. And he talks about how he got. Um, he went to India to find his guru, and he ends up teaming up with this kid who's 21 years old from, like, Long Beach who's awake, right? So this guy's got the secret, and they're driving in a car up to this mountain up to meet this guru, and this 21-year-old kid from Long Beach knows him, and, and Ram Das keeps talking and asking questions, and the kid keeps looking, and he goes, stop, stop thinking, and he's like, what? He goes, stop. He goes, if you can be here now fully. When then is now, you will have superpowers and you'll know exactly what to do. Wow. And that is true. So if you can be here now. So that's the key to everything, being completely present in the moment. And that's the key. It's the hardest thing in the world to do because we're conditioned to live in the future or the past. But that is the key. And that's where most of the misery comes from. And that's why you find when people get success and they turn to drugs. It's because, well, I always thought if I worked really hard and became successful, then I'd be happy. I worked really hard and became successful, and I'm still just as miserable as I always was. And there's no more success to go get. So there's nothing else to do to make yourself happy. So they turn to drugs. Right. So I, I, I understand that 100%. And so now I'm trying to not do that. Not do drugs? Yes. What do you mean? I'm trying to, not, I'm trying to fill myself up uh, uh, by being in the present moment. And not fill it up with drugs that make me feel better. Get over. You, are you not smoking weed? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, I, I still smoke weed. Okay, that's that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> but I will say this: I found out I uh, I got a dental implant, and so uh, I've had them before where they failed, and so I wanted to make sure this didn't fail. So I didn't smoke it's pot. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I didn't smoke pot at all for like a week, and I had withdrawal. Did you really? I had night sweats. I had horrible diarrhea. I had headaches. Had diarrhea from lack horrible of diarrhea. Weed? And then I realized this is the exact same thing that happens to me every time I travel internationally. For the first week, I'm out of town. I'm sick, and I always thought because I caught something on the plane. It's withdrawal from weed. And I'm like, this is weed withdrawal. This is nuts. I've never even heard of that. I mean, neither. I thought it was. I thought it was made up. But I get night sweats, which then you can't sleep. So then you're tired all day. So I'm lethargic. I have headaches, horrible diarrhea. What? Yes. And then, so then I waited a week, and the week I smoked a little pot, went to sleep like a baby, didn't have night sweats, didn't have diarrhea. I was like, that's scary now that I'm addicted. I'm literally physically addicted to marijuana. That's weird. I didn't know that Damn, was possible. I didn't know it was possible, yeah. Yeah, because it's not hard to not smoke pot. Like, it's not I, hard. Like when I go to Europe, I'm like, I just won't smoke pot for two weeks, and I don't, and it's not hard. 
but it is there are there are physical withdrawal symptoms. Wow. So that's why I was never afraid of pot because I just and by the way, it, it's there's like a built-in mechanism. You can't smoke too much pot because you just stop getting high. Well, you'll be you'll stay at the same level of high. It's you like it's like when you're a video game and your yeah. power's already at 100. percent You get a power up. That nothing happens. Right. It just stays right there. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, <laughs> yeah. eventually, I just get a headache if I smoke too much pot. Yeah. So not like booze, you can always get drunker. You can always get drunker. Until you throw up. Until you throw up or pass out or yeah. choke on your own vomit. But marijuana, it's like a built-in safety mechanism. Like you just stop getting as high. Like if I get high, like I like getting high in the morning. I like with my really? coffee. Yeah. So Ralphie used to do smoke an eighth before breakfast. I don't know about an eighth, but I like to have well, a bowl. Well, you're not Ralphie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to have a bowl with yeah. my coffee. And that really sets the, and then, then that wears off in like, you know, two hours. But it's like nothing. Uh, but then I can't get high again. Right, that first high of the day. Yeah, that's it. So that it's like, but if I got drunk in the morning, I could get drunker all day long. But that's why that marijuana has that built-in safety valve. It's the best. Are there any? Are there any? uh, What the progressive stance on marijuana is? Leave it the fuck alone. Right. Yeah. Correct. Do whatever you want. Yeah. What other What other progressive questions you got for me? I'm almost done. Um, How did you go from stand up into this shit? This is okay. Just like your genesis. So I. couldn't believe the Iraq war happened when it was happening, like when it was starting. I was like... The, the post-9-11 Iraq yeah. war? I'm yeah. like, I, I know this is bullshit. Like, I can see through it. They must be able to see through it. And they did, and they were all like... And, and then it showed you the herd mentality of the news. They just got... They have a herd mentality. They all go along. And that was right when I was starting to have my bone problems, so I wasn't mobile. And I was spending a lot more time on the couch watching TV. This is like, I would say, 2004, 2005. And this is when they were like, well, we got to go with the war with Iraq. And we're, other people were like, what do you mean? They, mm-hmm. they weren't involved in this. And like, well, they have weapons of mass destruction. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess we should stop that. And they go, well, we lied about that. Everyone knows they lied about it. And then we're still there. Yes. So, okay, so go ahead. What, so, so, then, so then it was like 2005. Uh, I started to become more couch locked and watching more TV news, which I just couldn't get over how bad it was. And then I think it was maybe 2006 when UCB Theater opened in Los Angeles, and they asked me if I would do a show, uh, a monthly show. And I said, sure. Well, I didn't know. You know, the only thing I'd ever done was stand-up and the marijuana logs, which, I, you know, I didn't create. So um, I was nervous. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? i gotta, I got to do a show that's not stand-up, and it's got to be funny, and it's got to be every month, and it's got to be wild. So I just decided to start using news clips like John Stewart did. I would just show news clips and make and show like – because people couldn't believe it. i go, you couldn't fucking believe this? And that was my thing, and, and I got – and there's a lot to using video comedically that I didn't know. It looks easy, just like stand-up. It looks easy when you do it well. So uh-huh. when John Stewart did it, it looked easy. I thought I could. It took fucking years for me to figure out how to do that. Stop it exactly Stop right it time. right and how to kid it, and which will work and what won't and how long of a clip you can play and how short. All It took me a lot, but now I know. And it took me. And so that's what it was. It was the UCB Theater doing that show on a monthly basis. And that's when my manager, was, when Alex Murray saw me do that show. And that's when he decided to manage me. And that's when I got my hour special, which was Citizen Jimmy uh, on Comedy Central, yeah. right? And uh, that was real successful. It was chosen best of the year by iTunes. And it sold about one ticket for me, right? Which was, <laughs> That was such a heartbreak. I thought, this is it. Uh-huh. I did it. Yeah. I got my hour special. It's gotten good rave reviews. What year was that? That was 2008. I'm like, that's it. I did it. Nothing, right? Nothing. They started to cut my money on the road. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like in 2010, they started cutting my I'm like, you motherfuckers. So by, by, by like 2012, I stopped touring. I was like, this. I can make more money if I stayed in town and you know just bartended or something. Yeah. And uh, 
so my wife told me, just focus on your podcast and your radio show. And, and so I did. And uh, that's when the Young Turks called me. I got the phone call from the Young Turks like 2011. Hey, can you host for us? Because Jenk got to go out of town. And so... Uh, just a guest host for one time. Yeah, guest host one segment. And they told me, they go, no matter... They go, don't look at the comments. Every guest host we have, everybody hates them. Of course, I looked at the comments. <laughs> comics are so fucking... They, but, need, they need their approval. But it was... It was 90% positive, and they freaked out. They were like, oh, my God, and that's when they offered me a job. They're like, oh, everybody loves you. This is the first time that's happened. Please come back. We'd love to have you. And the, so then they started using me, the Young Turks. That's and, what we are talking about, by the way. This, oh, the, this, this classically news. trained stand-up comedian yes. entering into a world where they're just mortals yes. comedically. Comedically, they're just mortals. Right? Yeah. And, and so I was ready because I had been doing my show for at that point now four years or or so my video show meaning uh-huh. and so I was ready so when I came in to host I put together the new show that day they didn't I go I got it I got it don't worry I got it and so they let me and it was awesome there was clips I knew I was ready to do it they were funny I was there with Frank Conniff from Mystery Science Theater 3000 and it was went great and so that's when I started working and then I started to develop this mo- so that's when I learned from Jenk Uger that you can be angry doing the news and people will connect with it. Because as stand-up, uh, I tried to do that anger thing because I was a Bill Hicks fan in the mid-90s, and nobody wanted to hear it from me. Because even though I grew up poor, really, really poor, yeah. and wearing hand-me-downs all my life, when I was able to, you know, when I, when I reached the age of grown-up and I could buy my own clothes, I always wanted to dress nicely even though I was still poor. I still dressed to the nines and I had the, you know, a haircut. And I always looked like yeah. I was rich even though I wasn't. And so a guy coming on stage who looked like me and looked rich and was yelling at them, nobody wants to fucking hear it. So I had to learn how to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about, which were also things Bill Hicks talked about, but do it in a way that was palatable, right? And so I was more of a, 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 if you look at my 2008 special as compared to my 2014 special, totally different guys. I'm yelling, I'm angry in my 2014. In 2014. In 2008, I was Mr. Nice Guy, all smiles and, you know, because I had to, because you have to go to comedy clubs and make everyone laugh, right? And so I have to. Bachelorette so, parties have to be into this. I, I was a populist, yeah. right? So I wasn't a Democrat. I wasn't a Republican. I wasn't a Libertarian. I wasn't a Green. I was a populist. I was just a regular guy with quite like, this doesn't make sense to me. Does this make sense to you? And so it was that kind of a thing. It's not pandering. It's not saying right. give up for the troops 25 times in a right. row. It's just like it's doing what you want to say in a way that is palatable to them. Yes. Which, by the way, trip, tricks me up when I do shows in Hollywood in front of regular crowds. Like I was just at the improv. And too often, comedians will make the audience the, the center of this show. And that drives me fucking nuts. bow down to their... their they'll just start talking to them. If they're a little rowdy, they'll start talking to them even more and make, them, they make, make their whole set about whoever is the asshole in the audience or the group or whatever. And then when I go up, uh, I know if I don't talk to them, and it'll hurt my set, but I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm good at crowd work. Like there's, but there's a time and a place for it, right? Yeah. No, I've got, I prepared some things. Yeah, but I have some you thoughts. Hear that. I only yeah. have ten minutes. I don't want to talk to this fucking jag off for ten minutes. So I'll get on stage, and so I try, and I literally be, when I see this happening, I'll go to the other comics. Hey, let's try to bring the crowd up to our level. <laughs> let's not go down to their level. Yeah, and of course I'm the only one, right? They all, they all immediately go down to their level. And that's so annoying. Don't you find that annoying? Yeah. Don't you, don't you think it's like there's so few comics who try to bring the crowd up to their level. They'll immediately go down to whatever bullshit level the crowd is because their whole thing is I have to kill. I got to kill so I can get rebooked. Worshipping that God. Worshipping the kill God instead of worshipping a different God. Worshipping the kill God, exactly, instead of the comedy God. Yeah. And I saw Bill Burr when he was like 
shifting uh, kind of delivery styles into what he is now. Uh, this really honest, like, here's mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Almost if you drop the laughs out, you can still, that's his exact opinion. Um, he wouldn't do that well. He would do like fourth, fifth best on the night, but you're like, oh, that guy was really interesting. And then he figured out the funny, and then it was like, you know, he's best in the world. I remember, I remember one time, I don't know, 15 years ago, and was, it was when Brian Regan lived in L.A. So however long oh, ago that was. Yeah. And, you know, Brian Regan, you, you go see Brian Regan in a comedy club, but you can't, you, the oxygen just gets sucked out of the room. You can't even, can't breathe. <gasps> yeah. you can't even breathe. You're yeah. laughing so hard. He's the funniest guy ever, right? And then I saw him do a set at the Hollywood Improv, and it was like you said, he was like fourth or fifth. And it was because he's going to do what he did. He's not going to come up and pander to them and do that. And he's just going to do what he did. Yeah. And that made me feel a lot better. And I was like, oh, okay. That, so, so it's not, so the, worshiping the kill god isn't the thing to do. Yeah. That's not in every situation. It's good to kill. But it's you. It's the way you kill. Yeah, try to hit the home run, it's, but you yeah. use this bat. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Don't use an aluminum. Right, 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 right. Try to do. Nobody it with likes this. to hear the dink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love College World Series. It's so lame. Bing. Okay. Like, uh, no. Yeah. Um, so these progressive ideas, which is like I, I think, help lower class. Um, Figure out homelessness. Stop fucking bombing people. There's a little girl with an arm missing in Yemen who's five years old, and she didn't do shit. You know, um, how much? I mean, is it out there? There's lots of uh, anti-war sentiment out there for sure. I think that's why a lot of people voted for Trump because he was an anti-interventionist, and that's why the intelligence community was fucking dead set on undermining Donald Trump. Was because he said, "Let's get the fuck out of the Middle East. What are we doing?" And as soon as he tries to, he announced we're going to get out of Syria. They announced there's never been another gas attack at Syria. How convenient! And then it turns out all those gas attacks were completely set up and staged. So uh, I saw one thing with Assad in an interview. He did open interview day. He just had a media day, and everybody was able, one after another, sit in that chair. I'm sitting in this chair asking questions. And one of them was like, what about this little girl? He was like a talking point, this little girl who something happened to. And he goes, oh. He goes, that's fake. And like, well, of course. He goes, no, 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 let me tell you this. There's lots of horrible things that have happened in this country. Lots of little girls are dead and, 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 and unfairly. Uh, this one only is fake. And a- you're like, what a weird way to say you guys are all wrong. Instead of like, we all love our people. Like in Iran, they were like, we have zero homosexuals. Like, okay, that's too unbelievable. So something's up. But this guy just saying the one thing was fake is like, I think I believe him. Yeah. Well, because that that was a girl they said who was six years old who was tweeting and uh, in English. Turns out in English. She's six. She's fucking can tweet some fluent English. And there's no internet service. How, but she's got it. She's always got the internet service, and she's tweeting in fucking uh, English, perfect English. That's a, that's a trick of the intelligence community, and they do it all over. Just like the white helmets, by the way. The white helmets are not who you think they are. The white helmets are working for the U.K. and the CIA, yeah, intelligence community. Jesus. That they are not who they th- claim to be. They're not n- non-partial ad- uh, interveners who are there to help people. They are actually, uh, and oftentimes, Al-Qaeda. They're, they are the terrorists, the White Helmets. They're working for the U.S., the Western intelligence. That's what they're doing. So with that much money that comes in from, from military-industrial conflict, or just, yes. just war, Tulsi Gabbard has no chance to win. They well, won't let her. You would have to get this is huge widespread support to where there's everyone, like everyone's screaming in the streets, how dare you? And we're not there yet. Well, I mean. What is she, a domino then? You know, I think that, um, you know, I always think of that scene in The the Godfather when Kay says to Michael, well, but they, they're heads of business, but they don't have men killed. And he goes, no, who's being naive, Kay? 
Yeah. Now, every corporation has people killed. That's what the, what were the banana wars? I mean, that's just American corporations stealing again. And again, we're doing it again. And, and Julian Assange revealed that Nara Tandon, who was, worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign, who was now the center of, she's the president for the Center of American Progress. The Center of American Progress is the, one of the most well-funded democratic think tanks in all of Washington. And who was the former president? Uh, John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. So Nara Tandon is now the head, the head of that. She, Julian Assange revealed that she advocated for stealing Libyan oil. If we're, she goes, if we're going to be in Libya, we might as well steal their oil because people are going to get tired of us invading other countries if, we, if it costs if us all this return. money. Exactly. If we don't have Jesus. a return on our investment. And so, of course, you're going to invade more countries to show more return. And so, I, and so Julian Assange revealed that, that <sighs> she said that. And she wants Julian Assange jailed. I revealed that she tweeted about me attacking her and and, and equating me with Carlos Maza, who uh, no Stephen Crowder, the guy who who they say was attacking Carlos Maza in a homophobic, racist way. So she tweeted out the Center for, of American Progress tweeted out about a comedian in his fucking garage. Oh saying that Jimmy Dore does the same thing to me, creates these horrible videos. She goes, I ignore them, but they're horrible. I'm like, you're not ignoring them if you're tweeting about them. Yeah. That's the opposite of ignoring them. Cool. You're such a bad liar, you can't even fucking lie in your tweet about a comedian in his garage. So that's how allergic they are to the truth. It's their kryptonite. You tell the truth, Julian Assange revealed the truth, and that's why they all want him dead. They, the Republicans, the Democrats, the capitalists, the bankers, the military-industrial complex, they all want Julian Assange dead, which is why they're going to probably get it done. Right. At least luck. I mean, he's never getting out. He's just about dead now. He couldn't even speak when he was in court. That is pretty cool, Cool. I mean, that they that you are on their radar now. Yes. And that the, C, that the Washington Post would put a hack like Dave Weigel in charge of putting me in the middle of a fucking uh, a smear piece. He did that to me. The CNN did that to me. It's amazing to watch them do that. And now they just wrote an article on this thing called Bellingcat. And I'm like, what? And it was all about, they say that I'm taking money from Syria, which I'm not. And uh, taking money from Syria. Yeah. What do they do? Like this company is in Syria and they're. No, they said there's this organization they, they said is a pro Assad. And it's not. A, they're an anti interventionist organization. And they saw that I was doing reporting that was anti interventionist. And so they, they gave me money. They're like, here's we want to donate or an award or whatever the fuck. But they did it to a lot of people who were telling the truth about Syria. All of us independent. Wow. All independent journalists. There's nobody in the mainstream news will tell you the truth about Syria. Just like there's nobody in the mainstream politics will tell you except for Tulsi, right? So what, how does she. F- well, I mean, and look what they do could, to her. Yeah. But how. What's her attitude? She's on the Armed Services Committee. She's on the Foreign Relations Committee, and they still smear her. She's literally serving in the fucking illegal wars that Hillary Clinton engineered, and they still smear her. She seems like when she goes on The View, and, and they're like, you're like, wow, this awful white supremacist said that he likes you. And she's like, right? right? she's not willing to be like, shut the fuck up. But she just goes, why are we saying things like that? Instead, of, She's just trying to stay in the pocket, but like. It's crazy how she has no chance. And maybe it'll be like four generations later, she started the toppling of this and so we can actually talk about it. But it's, it's like, it seems so unfair. And well, when you see somebody like Joy Behar, who reveals herself to be a, to, uh, a mouthpiece of the establishment, smearing a, an active soldier as not sufficiently patriotic or that somehow she's racist because some other racist guy said he liked her. Mm-hmm. That's on fucking her. That's like, hey, by the way, hey, Joy, I like you. Yeah. Now, now you have to defend that because I'm a piece of shit. 
I'm a fucking loudmouth piece of shit, and I'm a, I'm over the top. I'm a every negative thing CNN and the Washington Post ever said about me, and I like you, Joy. Now can someone come up to you? Why does Jimmy Dore like you? Because that's exactly what Joy Behar that's did, kind of thing, and yeah. Joy Behar revealed herself to be a piece of fucking shit. That's also Joy like- Behar is a fucking worthless. That that's something you would slap your kid's hand if he did that when he was ten years old. If he fucking smeared somebody because someone else. That's fucking the, this most disgusting thing. And why did she do that? She did that because Joy Behar is a piece of shit. What do you mean? What's her reasoning? We think she's an establishment piece of shit, and she knows if she doesn't do that, she's going to lose her fucking job. Wow. A fucking, because she's a fucking useful idiot, which is what she tried to call Tulsi. Yeah. Talk about a useful idiot. You know Tulsi's standing up against the fucking cry, the war machine? She's actually telling the truth, and you're getting paid handsomely by the w- one of six media companies that is funded by the military-industrial complex to do exactly what you're doing, Joy? And because it, if Joy was the kind of person who talked like I talk and talked like you talk, she would have been weeded out a long time ago, Ari, and she'd never be on that fucking show. She's been, Joy Behar has been groomed for that job since he was in kindergarten. And if she, if she ever would have colored outside the lines, she'd have been t- tossed in the bad school. She'd have been fucking already been red marked. She'd have never got that job. And if she has any sort of morals now, she saw like, whoa, wait, we have been in these things. She goes, fuck this. You can fire me. My contract runs out in That's a year. Right. You can fire me until then. But I'm, I'm, you ever see those people quit live on air? Right. Those journalists all yeah. over the country. When it hits them, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. That's right. That's this what, is awful. I don't care about the money. That's what Chris Hedges did to the New York Times, and he knew he was walking away from his career. Wow. And he was walking away from his entire identity. And he knew he was going to be marginalized for the rest of his life, but he wasn't going to compromise himself. And so when you see someone who works at the New York Times, the Washington Post, or CNN, or MSNBC, those are all people willing to compromise themselves. And they are compromised. Damn. And no one's able to be like, I'm just not going to put out any false reports. It's just amazing that they can make fun of uh, Alex Jones, and Rachel Maddow can be ten times nuts, nutsier than he ever was. And somehow people go on her show like she's not. And you know why? Because there's never a price to pay if you're lying at the behest of the establishment. If you lie at the behest of the establishment, there's never a price to pay. Ever. If you lie against them, then they'll be like, right. well, the lying is the reason we're taking you down. That's right. So you're not going to take... It's just disheartening. Right now, the person who's running our intelligence community, the CIA, her name is Gina Haspel. Yeah. She's a, she, she's a war criminal. She's imp- she d- destroyed tapes of the of the t- torture that they were doing. She's the, and they put her at the top of the CIA. Wow. My joke is she broke the glass ceiling and then she picked up some of those pieces of glass and started torturing people. <laughs> but you're gonna but but Trump and they by the way they confirmed her. So the Democrats also confirmed her. But somehow Trump, you've got to get rid of that guy. We've got a literal war criminal at the top of our intelligence community. And by the way, you're not supposed to say anything bad about our intelligence community now because of Trump. Because Trump is bad. Now the FBI, which are fucking criminals, along with the CIA, the FBI is not your fucking friend. The FBI lied us in, and the CIA lied us into Iraq. The FBI lies about they, they're and if you're a lefty organization, they are going to infiltrate you and paint you as a Russian or a communist or a terrorist. Because now all they have to do is say you're a terrorist because of Barack Obama. Barack Obama said no, no fair trial as long as so they say you're a terrorist. All they got to do is say you're a terrorist, and you don't even get a trial. Yeah, that's called indefinite detention. They took away habeas corpus, habeas corpus, which is in the fucking Magna Carta. 
But they said they, they did that because, it. like, well, Obama would never like, misuse that. And it's like, all right, but how about yeah, but Trump? Trump? Yeah, or the next guy, or some guy who's being born tomorrow who's going to be president in 45 years. And by the way, Barack Obama did misuse it. Yeah, of right. course he did. Of course he did. What, look what they did to Chelsea Manning. Human nature. Look what they did. They tortured Chelsea Manning. And what was Chelsea Manning's crime? Revealing war crimes. So and there's a saying, and I'm going to butcher it, but whenever uh, revealing a crime is, is being crime. treated as a crime, you're being ruled by criminals. Whoa. So is there – let's wrap it up with this. Is there any hope to be had? Not until people get in the streets and shut shit down. Things will continue to get worse. There will be more uh, wars. There will be more senseless wars, more billions and trillions spent on them. There will be more misery in the streets, more tent cities. Uh, there will be more income inequality uh, until again. It, and even if Bernie gets elected, it's they're gonna they're all gonna work against him. So until people get in the streets and Bernie's gonna lead that, he's got to lead that. If he wants real change, Bernie has to lead that. The irony of Bernie is he calls for revolution, but he's really calling for incremental change. That's the irony, right? Hey, we're gonna maybe we're gonna get Medicare for all. That's an incremental change. Right, us throwing overthrowing the system is oh we're going to get rid of PG and E we're going to have it be run by the people just like they do you know the LAW remember when they had rolling blackouts in California uh-huh. you remember where they didn't have them right. Los Angeles why because this that was run by the fucking people that was the LAW uh, P or yeah. whatever, however whatever the Los Angeles Water and Power Department or whatever. Yeah, or LAWPD, BWP. whatever it was. They didn't have rolling blackouts. Isn't that interesting? Because they weren't run by capitalists. So that's a, to me, that's a, that's a, when you overthrow Even getting the in the streets, would, even, would that even, I mean, we did that for Occupy Wall Street, and they just sent in their block then, breakers to break because, it up, to, to we, act as, pretend like they were like, oh, I'm part of this group and I'm being violent. That's right. Because we thought we had a black guy with a Muslim name who was backing us up. But what we had was Mitt Romney. That Barack Obama, he didn't give a fuck about those. He wanted them gone. So that seems the pr- completely hopeless. That's the problem. Then the, he gets union cops to crack the heads of peaceful protesters coast to coast, and he doesn't do a fucking thing about it. And he doesn't reform welfare. He reforms it in a way so that they don't have to have a vote to bail them out again. They can just do it secretly, which is what they're doing right now. It seems like it's at least a little bit like when Bernie. Four years, two years ago, was talking about this. Four years ago, he started talking about it. I was like, oh, I've never heard somebody talk about, like, let's just help the regular person. And now there's a little more of that in the Democratic Party or just in America. Um, Maybe even on both sides. And then, like, no, no, my phone's ringing. And then, um, is it maybe like just a domino effect? Like, the next four years from now, you're going to have even more people talking about it until it becomes a standard? Or it, I'm just trying to say, so how can you look at this in a, do. any sort of non-suicide way? So here's what they do. Like, for instance, I was telling you before that uh, 9 out of 10 Democrats are for a single payer, and a majority of Republicans were actually for it. And when the polling was being done in 2016, 2017, and then the capitalists started figuring out, well, we can't have this, right? So we can't have what the people want because it'll cost us money. So they start asking the question differently. They figured out a way to scare you. For away socialism. From, they will go, um, yeah, do you want socialism? Um, hey, Bernie's plan's going to cost $32 trillion. Hey, um, 
Bernie's going to take away your private insurance and let the government run your health care. So they figured all these ways to scare people. So now the number starts to go down in favor of, priv- uh, of single-payer health care because there's, they figured out ways to scare the shit out of people to do it. Yeah. So that's how they also control people. That's propaganda. That's how, pe- that's how they get you to say, well, 30, who's got $32 trillion? But the system we have now costs $42 trillion. They right. don't tell they you don't that. They that. leave that part out. Right. And the and the guys who are giving us our information, the news, is run by people who make money off this stuff. So they're like, I'll I'll make them think this way. Is that, Bernie even said yeah. it. He goes he says to Anderson Cooper, Well, after you ask me this question, you're gonna throw us to a commercial for Pfizer. Right. So like who I mean your bread's butted on that that's side. That's right. Uh. So that's what so again, electoral politics is one part of what's needed in this country. What we really need is structural change. And that comes from not voting for Elizabeth Warren, but from putting on a yellow vest and getting in the street and shutting shit down and taking control. You know, uh, there's a book in the in the uh, end of oh, Henry Kissinger wrote a book about his time in um, the Nixon administration. And this is a story. I didn't read it, but I heard Chris Hedges tell the story about it. And at the end, there was all the protesters and they were outside the White House and they were trying to break through the gates. Right. And so they got all these school buses and they lined up the school buses behind the gates. So if they broke through the gates, they would have that as like protection to stop them. And um, and Nixon turns to Henry Kissinger and says, Henry, what if they get through the gates? I, I fear they'll come for us. And Chris Hedges says, that's exactly where we want our elected leaders to be, afraid that we're going to come for them. Right. Yeah. Then they'll be like, oh, well, let's do what that we would can be. to not but have them kill Now us. they would say, that's bad. Oh, that's not. That's, that's, that's rude. And you can't do that. And you can't be vile. You can't. That's, that, that's what the establishment will tell you. That's not how you protest. You protest by sitting in your apartment and sending an email. Now, how about we go to the White House, scare the shit out of everybody? You know, they say that um, internet uh, activism decreases anything you actually can get done. See? Because people are like, oh, I'm good. I, I took care of it. And it's like, they ignore that. Okay. Well, this has been a great talk. <sighs> Dude, I always like talking to you. You get me riled up. But sometimes <laughs> it's like, it makes me so fucking mad. I watch those clips, those, those, those Jimmy Dore show clips. Well, it I'm used like, to be, Fuck. you know, look about when, I, when we grew up. I don't know how old you are. How old are you? 45. So when I grew up. Uh, a guy could have uh, could sell shoes for a living at Sears. That was his job. Or he sold lawnmowers. He sold appliances or whatever. That was his job. Or I know a guy who sold suits at Sears. And he was able to have a family, a house, two cars, take a vacation and send his kids to college. Today, the number one employer is Walmart. And most of those people are on fucking government assistance. Do you Jeez. see the difference? Do you yeah. see what happened? So... Uh, it, we, we have a system of capitalism that is uh, based on extraction. Keep- it extracts wealth. Wealth is being extracted upward. It, they're not infusing. Same thing with the banks. The banks used to loan money to entrepreneurs who would then build something. But what the banks are doing now is it inc- issuing credit default swaps, insurance on debt. They're not building anything. They're just gambling. They're creating houses of gambling, and then it all eventually crashes. They're not actually – because when the economy crashed, when the stock market crashed the first time, nobody could get a loan. My brother is in construction, and he has this huge company, and he goes, they just cut our money off. We couldn't get any fucking money anymore. They stopped lending. 
So even as we're giving them trillions of dollars to the bank, they were just taking that to shore up their balance sheet. They weren't putting it back into the economy, which is why we had a jobless recovery, which is why we still have homeless people crazy like we do, which is why we have income inequality expanded over Barack Obama's time in office, which is why people who voted for him twice wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton, which is why we got Trump. But everybody wants you to think Trump is the problem. You get rid of Trump, 80% of workers live paycheck to paycheck still. You get rid of Trump, 30 million Americans still don't have health care. And the rest of us are afraid of getting sick because we know even if you have health insurance, you'll still go. I had health insurance. I had fucking Blue Cross health insurance. They just don't pay for shit when you get sick. They wouldn't pay for my MRI, my CT scan, all that shit. They just wouldn't pay for it. And you're dying, so you pay for it out of your pocket. Anyway, this has been a great talk. Thanks, man. <laughs> Everybody come see the live Jimmy Dore show. It's a lot of fun. I actually do have lots How of laughs. Do you, do? you do them a lot, right? Yeah, we do, do them all the time. We're going to be in Philadelphia on the 18th and 19th. The 18th's already sold out. Um, and we it's do- fun. I see some of those clips from the live show, and you'll mention things that I that go or just over my head. A, a person, you're like, "How uh, about so and so?" And everyone's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, <laughs> "I hope he explains this because I don't know what that is. I know that guy sucks, but I don't know why." Um, but they are fun. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. <laughs> do people talk afterwards? I bet they do. Like audience members talk to each other. Yeah, it's like, like it's a big it's a big happening. It's, it's a, a coming together of like minded people. A lot, most of them are progressives. A lot of them are libertarians, and some of them are. Trump- Trumpers. Uh, and a lot of them are former Trumpers. People come because I meet people after the shows and I'll whatever, and they'll come up and they go, Jimmy, I, I voted for Trump, but you changed me or I've this and the, or, you know, and I don't think I changed them to vote for a Democrat. I changed them, meaning I opened their eyes. Get out of the system. Get out that the system is the thing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks, and that, man. That was, you know, I, I used to um, be one of those guys who looked down his nose at the right wing. I was one of those guys. I, I couldn't understand them. What the fuck's wrong with them? And they're so crazy. And, you know, and then it took um, Barack Obama for me to really realize, oh, this is a game. They're all fucking playing this game. I had that thing. I had hope, too. And then it was like, oh. This is horrible. Barack Obama, it didn't matter who we voted for. He's doing exactly what John McCain or Mitt Romney would have done. But people are accepting of it because he's nicer. So if it was actually John McCain doing it, people would have been upset. Right, 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 right. But because Barack Obama's doing it, he puts the left to sleep. Yeah. So now he can go out and do all this horrible shit, like open the Arctic to drilling, put fracking underneath everybody's fucking yard from coast to coast. He can expand the banks, make the wars bigger. He could do all that shit. And and the left, nobody's going to criticize him because how dare you criticize Barack Obama? Yeah. It's still that way today, by the way. You still can't criticize him. You still can't criticize him. And when when Trump tweets, they were going to go to war with Iraq last night, and I stopped it, and people are like, fucking get off Twitter, you idiot. Like, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Though. Yes. Who's going to go to war? What? What? I know. Like, step back from who you care about and who you don't, but like the guy in charge said, ah. And and do you realize the establishment and the Democrats love having Trump? A, the establishment makes a ton of money off him because he gets clicks and views, right? right? A ton of money off him. Um, and the Democrats love him because he's a distraction from what actually gave us Trump, which is their corruption. You know, again, if you if you believe that Trump is corrupt, and it's easy to believe Trump is corrupt, as Dylan Radigan says, but then you also have to believe that Hillary Clinton was enriching herself by uh, through the tunes of hundreds of million dollars by doing weapons deals overseas, and Barack Obama, we don't have a, a functioning healthcare or banking system because Barack Obama took payoffs to fucking not have one. It's hard to believe one and not believe the other two. That's what Dylan Radigan says, and he's exactly right. So this idea that just Trump is corrupt, Trump again is what gets vomited up from a failed corrupt democracy. I think what Trump will do in a good way is it'll make us. I talked to these Argentinian people in uh, in Kupang in Indonesia, and they were like, "You're Americans. Your problem is you still look at your president as a king and as a royal and as above 
ours is just some schmuck we voted for. Yeah. And you guys got to start talking about your guys some schmuck. Yes. And I think this will achieve that. I hope so. In, so. F- in two years or in six years when Trump is out, the next guy's like, we're looking at everything you do too, motherfucker. We don't care how well you speak. I w- hope what so. are you doing? I hope so too. I hope so. But only the Democrats would pick a road of impeachment that would kneecap their own front runner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and expose their corruption. And, in, and you know what their defense is of uh, the Biden's corruption in Ukraine? What? That's a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. <laughs> They're like, I, I've never met that guy. He's like, well, here you're playing golf with him. <laughs> what? Is that a conspiracy? Yeah. Is, is this, that, is this a that Did he actually have a job where he didn't have to show up and he got 50 grand for not knowing nothing? Or did that happen or not? Did your six over go in your handicap or not? <laughs> did you enter it into the system? <laughs> All right. I got to get out of here. Yeah, Jimmy, great. I love you. Thanks for having me, buddy. I hope to have you on my show soon. Oh, I'd love to. I would love to. Is the episode? Oh, it's all choppy because it's fucking freezing, motherfucker. Anyway, that's the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that's about right. Uh, if you did like it, make sure to subscribe to Jimmy Dore's YouTube page. Um, maybe subscribe to this YouTube page. I got to rename it. My friend from uh, from Israel who did some of my photoshops told me that. Um, I gotta rename my YouTube page something so people can find it. Um, this whole thing is so fucking, I don't understand any of it. I need to hire somebody. Let's be honest. Um, anyway, Jimmy Dore, man, he's telling you the truth. He gets worked up though, right? Um, but he's rightfully, like, rightfully getting worked up. Like, Hillary Clinton called Tulsi Gabbard a Russian asset. With, like, no, like, here's why. Maybe she meant, like, in fairness, maybe the whole story is she's like, Russians want her in there. That's all she meant by that. But it's like, why not clarify and be like, I think if we leave a war in these places, it actually helps the Russians. Say it like that. Don't say Russian asset. But maybe she really has interest in, like, these people she's done business with. Fucking Saudis gave so much money to to the Clinton uh, Foundation. What does that foundation go to, by the way? Uh, anyway, whatever. This shit I care about, but I don't care enough about to like let it ruin my day. Jimmy Dore cares a lot more than I do. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that's the episode. Don't make sure uh, to get tickets for Spokane. Spokane, not Spokane. Spokane, Washington, January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Tickets will be available for Hawaii uh, the middle of January. Uh, in the next probably week, as well as Atlanta, Minneapolis, probably Pittsburgh, probably Charlotte. Mm, we'll see where else. Portland, Maine, I think will be in there. Um, so check back at AriTheGreat.com for tickets or uh, uh, subscribe here. And um, I'll put out all my dates and a link to it. But it's at AriTheGreat.com slash tour. And 
the special Ari Shafir Jew being proudly recorded at the Skirball Center in Manhattan, New York, home of the Jews in America on February 7th and 8th, 2020. February 8th is sold out, both shows. So we added a show February 7th, 7.30 p.m. show. Get off work at 4, take off early, get in the right mindset, go to Washington Square Park, smoke your doob, and, uh, you know, smoke like half an hour before. Don't smoke like right before. You want to already be high. You don't want to be getting high while the opener's on stage. But uh, that's the episode, you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, for Jimmy Dore... I'm Ari Shafir saying so long for Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank episode 374. Over and out. Goodbye. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come, oh yes it will, it's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die, cause I don't know what's up there, beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come, oh yes it will. Somebody keep telling me don't hang around It's been a long, a long time coming But I know a change gonna come Oh, yes it will Then I go to my brother Say, brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. No, there have been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But I know a change gonna come